I was born during the hard depression days. Oh my lord. In July, South Georgia, where the sun was hot in a blaze. And my folks were sharecroppers. At the end of the year, we had nothing. We had nothing. We had nothing but grasshoppers. Looking back on all my life. Oh Lord, I'm so depressed. Tell me how long must I wonder. Okay, I think that gets the point. The general tone of this podcast across. Depressing as shit. Yeah, I was trying to learn the song from Peppermint Candy. Oh, <laughs> I really liked the song in uh, Secret Sunshine that she goes and she plays like the lies song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that one was pretty. I like pretty much all the music. I love how like intertwined music in, is in pretty much all those movies. Welcome to the podcast about Lee Chang Dong where one thing's for sure. Actually, two things are for sure. He loves depression and karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a karaoke scene in every one of the movies except Greenfish, I think. But Greenfish has Green, a singer. Yeah, has like a lot of stage performance yeah. regardless. But like so. specific karaoke is in every other movie. <laughs> Specifically. Yeah. Song Kang Ho has his own karaoke machine. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful man. Uh, anyway, welcome to Screen Weens. I'm a screen, he's a ween. We're going to be talking about one of the biggest South Korean directors, at least working today, um, I'd put him right up there with fucking Bong Juno and Park Chan Wook for fame wise. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna be talking about all six of the movies he's directed, and we're gonna be talking about a little bit about him. But first, let's just let's just take a minute, just relax and. Talk about what else we've been doing this week. Yeah. I don't really think I watched any other movies. Let me just make sure. Uh, these movies are all warning. They're all fucking sad. Oh. Uh, I think we both watched Persona. Well, we did watch... Uh, after we recorded the podcast last week, we yep. watched the Bergman film Persona, which is considered by, I would say, most that have seen it to be his best. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty... Or, like, more top popular. three, I would yeah. say. Uh, and I really liked it. I thought it was pretty great, but I didn't, like... It didn't blow my fucking mind like I thought it would. Yeah, I, I think I've seen so many films that kind of pay homage to it mm -hmm. that the impact was a little not as thorough as it could have been, but um, I still enjoyed it a lot regardless, and... I'm hoping that I'll enjoy it much more on future watches. Yeah. Uh, I gave it an E. I also did. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. I just, I, I don't know why, but I was expecting, I'm like, this is going to be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And that might have hindered myself as well, but. Uh, built it up too high. Yeah, maybe. Um, I did watch a couple things, like, because we recorded last Monday and, like, that Tuesday and Wednesday I was watching other stuff, and then I started watching the movies for the podcast. I'm like, 
I can't bring myself to watch anything else. Yeah. Um, but I watched this movie called Dokuse, uh, or Classmates. It's like an hour-long anime from 2016 about these like two gay guys in like oh. a high school setting. It's really good. Huh. It's really good. There's like a couple weird scenes that like really throw off the movie, but most of it is really good. Okay. And I'm like, wow, okay! And I rewatched Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah? That still uh, live up to... Uh... Yeah. I, I know a lot of people think it's like Anderson's best. I don't. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. I think it's great, but I... Rushmore's still for me. <laughs> Rushmore's a good one. I think it's a good... Like, go-to example. Like, I think Budapest is, like, a good, like, oh, you haven't seen Wes Anderson before? Check out Grand Budapest. It's yeah. a good, like, beginner one. It is. Because it's, it's it, he's pretty much figured out his style by the time he yeah. got to Budapest, and it's kind of him just, like... That's his most Anderson. Until the new one comes out, French Dispatch looks fucking... I haven't watched the trailer. I, I've, I've mostly just seen stills from it. I watched a bit of the trailer, but I'm like, I want to save this. Yeah, that that was kind of my thought behind it too, because um, I really liked the Isle of Dogs trailers, and <laughs> Isle of Dogs didn't quite. Oh up yeah, I remember me. that, and I thought that I, Isle of Dogs is like one of my favorite Anderson I, movies. Well, I need to rewatch it me again. Too. Maybe maybe knowing what it is will a dog me, movie. I I don't know what I was expecting from it. I just wanted like a little more. Gotcha. Um. I also watched Independence Day 2. Oh. I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was fucking Discord. awful. Like, I don't mind the first. I think the first is, like, kind of, like, fun bad. Like, mm-hmm. I, actually, I think it's kind of decent. There's there's good parts to it, but this one was just, like, yeah, that was fucking awful. Um, it was really, really boring. Like, really boring. Doesn't surprise me. And then I watched the 1996 Sonic the Hedgehog, like, OVA. Oh, okay. That was also bad. But, um, you ever seen that, like, meme with the the cartoon owl with, like, the skater? He's, like, has, like, a skater outfit. Uh, not ringing any bells currently, but maybe. Hold on. Okay, I'm holding. I'll fucking, I'll fucking, I'll fucking get it for you. My Wi-Fi's not on, hold on. Oh no! This one! You ever seen that? No, oh. I haven't. <laughs> Maybe it's just my friend. But that's where that's from. Huh. Um, it was it was okay, I guess. And then I watched some shitty horror movie called Demonic. That was terrible. Yeah, and then I watch these movies, and pretty much the rest of my time I've just been spending uh, playing Halo, (laughs) which has been the jam. It's nice to relive the good old days because I used to play Halo a lot when I was like thirteen. Played Reach a fuck ton. Played it a little bit, just a smidge, just a smidge. But you've been watching anime. Yeah, so I've been reading Hunter x Hunter, or Hunter Hunter. As Hunter I'm, squared. Yeah, as I'm sure some of you will call it. Um, I call it Hunter x Hunter because fuck you, the X is there. I'm going to pronounce it. You know, good for you. Stick um, to your ideals. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've been reading that, and then I stopped right as I, like, finished the Heavens Arena arc, and I, uh... 
pretty much just uh, took the time because I'm like, well, I kind of want to like just sit down and read Hunter x Hunter and experience it. And I knew I had to watch six depressing ass movies this week. So I was like, oh, fuck, I'll just uh, put this on hold. But I still kind of like had the itch to experience it in my downtime. So mm-hmm. I was watching. Uh, it has two animes. There's the 99 anime and then... That eventually had to get canceled because it ran out of material. And then years passed, the arc that it died, that the old anime died on, finally got completed along with an arc following. And they did the new anime from 2011. Uh, Is that the one people like? Yeah, that's the one that got, like, really popular. So I haven't seen Hunter Squared, so... I... I'd recommend it, and I'd recommend I, yeah. watching the 2000s. My friends watched it a while ago, but I was just always working, or I would have joined them. Um, it's it's a really well-made, well-written shonen. It's great. I'd also recommend Yu Yu Hakusho, which I just finished. Uh, thank you. But yeah, so I've been going back and watching the 99 anime to see like what's different, and quite a bit. It's got quite a lot of filler in it. Quite a lot. Nice. I also read uh, the new Death Note chapter that they've released that has Donald Trump in it. Are you serious? It does. And it sounds bad, but it's actually pulled off pretty well. (laughs) Remember when Donald Trump was in Burning? Was he? Yeah. Do they show him, like, in a news clip or something? Oh, I'm, I'm... Missed it. Oh, yeah. He's talking. You can hear him. Uh, he's right in the corner of the screen. You're like, he's right there. He's on, like, the left side of the screen. Oh, no. Oh. I think I think his face is, like, the noise that a refrigerator makes where my brain just kind of tunes it out when I see it, so. My refrigerator is also racist. Oh, yeah. Mine, too. This is why we need to ban all refrigerators. I agree. They're too All right. And then you said you were playing a little gaming, too? Oh, yeah. Playing a um, little gaming? I played some Fortnite. Uh, Whoa! Oh, Fortnite! Fortnite! Oh, yeah. And then I played a little bit of uh, The Outer Worlds. Is that the, like, kind of like... It's kind of like Fallout. Fallout space? Yeah, space, yeah. How is it? I've heard it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it so far. Um... We'll see how far I get along with it. I tend I tend not to get very far in like these big RPG games, but I'm gonna try. And then I purchased um the original Dragon Quest trilogy for the Switch. So nice. I'm gonna try it. Never played Dragon Quest. Me neither, but the uh author for Hunter X Hunter is like super addicted to it and it's like supposedly one of the things that keeps him from writing Hunter X Hunter, because it's famous for its hiatuses. <laughs> And it's usually... Uh, Sorry, fan- guys, gotta go play Dragon Quest. Yeah, the fans point it to two things. Dragon Quest and his back problems. It's more than likely mostly his back problems, but supposedly... From- like, does it just hurt to, like, do anything and he just doesn't feel like it? Or does he, he have to, like, go to the hospital? Uh, he's been in the hospital before. Lots of lots just, of like, lay cut. down and, like... <laughs> Lots of manga could have, like, severe health problems mm. involving, like, their back and their yeah. wrists. I get it. Because all they do is sit inside, draw, and smoke cigarettes. That's all, like, the author for One Piece does. 
Sounds like something David Lynch would do, too. Except just write or... Yeah. <laughs> Actually draw, too, because he's an artist. He does lots of paintings. What if David Lynch made a manga? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's probably made a comic. If I were to look it up, I'm sure I could probably find something. David Lynch is like, With my last years of life, I'm gonna go move to Japan and become a manga artist. That would be epic. Twin Peaks the manga. Oh, I'm gonna shit. go work for My Hero Academia. I'm going to go animate for My Hero, where they'll underpay me. But it'll be okay, because I'll just be drawing pictures and smoking cigarettes. Which is truly all I really want from life. As long as they have coffee, I'll be okay. Yeah. And no phones! I swear, if anyone watches my anime on a smartphone... <laughs> I will grab you through the screen and kill you. That would be... David Lynch is like the what villain of Inuyashiki. What happens if like <laughs> David Lynch dies in a terrible accident and he becomes like the rain ghost and just grabs I thought you were going to say the, the unfriended ghost. Oh no. Because <laughs> they're like, like someone's Skyfall. watching and raise their head on their phone and suddenly like he peeks out from behind like, the curtain and just comes out. <laughs> I'm coming. You have 30 seconds to turn this off of your phone and put it on your TV or else I'm coming out. And they're like, oh, I would love to meet you, David Lynch. He's like, okay, here I come. Genius. I could see David Lynch somehow figuring out how to achieve immortality. He's a very spiritual man, so. He is. There's a lot of yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I should do a lot yoga. of meditating. All right. Yeah, so not, not a lot of this week. I'll probably get back into the movie watching mood this 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 coming week though, because I'll watch more maybe jovial films, <laughs> or maybe just not watch depressing movie after depressing movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna finish on Eric Center and then I plan on watching getting back. Oh, watch. Uh, the Clone Wars season seven started. Oh yeah, the I final saw your season. Facebook post yeah, so I I did watch the opening episode of that, and yeah. Just waiting for a new Republic Commando game. Have you ever played that one? Uh, no. It's like... It's a pretty similar aesthetic to like a Halo game, pretty much. Um, except you're on like Geonosis during the Clone Wars. It's great. It's a great game. Um, I bought, I bought a few different like popular Star Wars games when they were on sale on Steam not too long mm -hmm. ago. So I might, you that might be one of those. Probably have there. Republic Commando then. And, yeah, that game's really good. Some of the controls have aged kind of poorly because it was from, like, original Xbox, but... Yeah, old systems still do that. Yeah. Mario 64, <laughs> that's a dank game, but the controls... Ooh, if you're not used to them... Yeah, like, I, you know, I grew up on N64, and I would play it every once in a while, like, growing, like, still as an adult, so... I'm fine with that, but... Yeah. Like, trying to play PlayStation 1 games, I was <laughs> like, fuck me, because I didn't have a PS1 when I was growing up, so, like... As an adult, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to some questions. Okay. Let's start this off with some questions from Julia. Epic. Have, do you have any characters from films that you strongly relate to? If so, who and why? Hmm. Hmm. 
The cockroach from Wally. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like I I see myself in characters. I feel like that's why I enjoy films. Like there's yeah. certain characters I see myself in, but I don't know if I like relate to them on like a, a truly. You know what? Actually, the main character of Vagabond, I relate mm. to her, especially like my 18 year old self. Like the same age as like she was in the movie. I get that. I relate to her strongly. Because I was almost a vagabond. Yeah. Um, kind of relate to, uh, you know, the Song Kang-ho and the host. Because <laughs> I feel like I just fuck up a lot. Yeah. I don't think I actually do, but I just feel like I do in every corner. I feel. Um... Chewbacca, because I'm tall. It's fair. It's a fair comparison. I feel like those are the those are the main ones. For me. Oh, I know who you relate to. The Joker. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> Video's great. Uh, yeah, except I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to say, like, Cesar Romero's Joker, and not... You're not, gonna say, uh, Robert Pattinson's the Batman. Yeah. I don't want to be that modern Joker. <laughs> Too... Eh? It's alright. Too like, eh? Yeah, I get that. Kind of, like, hits this middle ground, where it's like, hmm... Feels just... It just has, like, big incel energy written all over it, which turns me off a little. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But I'm, I'm letting you know my bias is up front. Uh, let's see. If I had to, like, relate to a character. I can't hmm. believe Thomas just said he wants to genocide all incels. Just kidding, I do. Uh, Briggs v. Bear. Like the bear itself? Yeah. Or the main character? The main me? character, whose name I can't remember. I feel that. Is it Josh? No. I can't even remember that. Andy Mooney? Kyle Mooney. Kyle Mooney. Close. You remember the Mooney part? I did. Uh, Why do you relate to the main character of Brigsby Bear? Um, he just wants to make movies. Yeah, he's, he's kind of awkward. <laughs> I'm an awkward guy James, who wants to make movies. Um, not to the degree that he is, but I felt like I was, like, sheltered by my parents to a certain degree. Mm. So that kind of, like, feeds into it a little bit. Um, if you haven't seen Brigsby Bear, please check it out. Great movie. Very fun. Um, Masterpiece, I would say. I, I haven't seen very many, if any, movies quite like it. So definitely check it out. The Lonely Island is a production company. Or I guess, you know, Akiva Schaefer and Andy Samberg. I don't know if the Lonely Island actually produced it. Like, I don't know if they're considered a production company. Yeah. But those three, like, the, the movies they produce are usually pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> do they do a hot rod? I don't know if they all do, but... I like Hot Rod. Yeah, I like Hot I Rod. Re- 
It's, it's kind of aged poorly, but... I, I haven't watched it in several years, but I remember liking it quite a bit. <laughs> it's pretty goofy. Oh, Akiva Schaefer directed Hot Rod. Mm. Oh, okay. Next question from Julia. Okay. Who are the best parents in film? I like... Mm. I like the dad from Call Me By Your Name. I think he's a pure, wholesome dad. Yeah. Um, let's see. See, the thing is, I like to watch movies that are sad, and a lot of sad movies don't... Oh, wait. The mom from Little Women. Yeah. She's, she's powerful. She's great. Um, bon Joon-ho from any of... Or not Bon Joon-ho. From life, he's just... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Son Kane-ho in any Bon Joon-ho movie. Yeah. At least by the end of it. Like, I don't think he was a good dad and fucking the host, but by the end of he, it, he, he was He like, tried. Yeah, he was. He was trying. Um, you could argue that he's not a very good dad in Parasite either, but... But he's trying. He's, he's trying. That's because of rich people. Rich people made him bad. Spo- spoiler alert for both Parasite and the host real quick. Just hit the forward arrow button if you don't want to hear it. His daughters always die in those movies. Except for Snowpiercer. His daughter lives in that one. But he does. Yes. Oh, I guess Snowpiercer's one. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I mean... Who else is a good parent? Mark Hamill and Briggs B. Bear. I was going to say that, but that's <laughs> not true. Um, Will Smith in After Earth. <laughs> when I first read that, I don't know why that popped into my mind, because that's not true. But that was the first thing that came to mind. Uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? Why did I think that? Fucking, um... Ethan Hawking before midnight. I think he's a pretty solid dad. I mean, we only see him with his kids for like 0.5 seconds and he skips out on a landmark they wanted to see. <laughs> but, yeah. He's like, sorry, we were, we're closed. <laughs> sorry, closed. Um, Steve Carell in Beautiful Boy. Yeah. He was pretty solid. Was pretty he good was job. trying. He was trying. He was fucking up. I feel like, I don't really want to see good parents. I want to see, or like, like, objectionally, object, objectively good parents. I want to see parents that are failing, but trying and becoming better. Because mm. I like drama. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, what about, uh, the mom from Mamma Mia? Meryl Streep, have you seen Mamma Mia? I can't stand Abba's music, so I probably would hate it. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. I should just make you watch Mamma <laughs> Alright. Yeah, so those are, those are some... Just gonna give you a word of warning. Don't. Okay. <laughs> I've got I've got a couple movies in my back pocket that I know you really would not enjoy. You don't know that. I think I've got. Boy, a pretty- Birth of a Nation. 
I'll have you know, D.W. Griffiths, most of his body of work is still around, and they're all extremely long. I can fucking, we can watch Intolerance, we can watch uh, Birth of a Nation. He made other ones, I just can't remember the titles of them. What is the first major use of CGI in a film that you were impressed by? I mean, as a child, I don't think you're really impressed by CGI. You might go, oh, that looks cool, but, like, you don't really, like, understand what CGI. Well, I I had a pretty good grasp on it growing up because uh, I was was born in just that, like, sliver of time where we're transitioning from, like, the old world into, like, the modern world. (laughs) The old world. The old world. (laughs) The the boomer land, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I like just, pre, I just mean pre like, computer takeover, yeah. like before it like got really good. Like I still had to deal with like dial up internet and having to deal with like you know the superstition of like my parents being like, oh no, don't ever ever buy anything offline because everything's a scam. Like that was the kind of like taboos that were around back in the day. Um, and same with movies. Like I grew up, I I was there when like I remember seeing like DVD commercials, and then when Blu-ray came out, so I was there to like see the progress. Um, I the first oh man, I, like I I remember thinking the Star Wars movies looked pretty good when I was a kid. And at the time, I mean, they there's they have their obvious flaws, like. It doesn't look convincing, but for the time, it it was pretty impressive. I was I was gonna say I actually do think that Jar Jar Binks is like even if you don't like him as a character, he was kind of a big landmark thing. Yeah, and I think he's well animated still. I just think it's the biggest thing about CGI that ages is the textures of it mm-hmm. and the lighting, like. It's so obvious because everything's so much better textured and stuff. Yeah. Like, not everything's all weird and slimy. Yeah. But I do think that Jar Jar Binks, like, was, like, revolutionary. The same with Gollum. Yeah. Gollum's fucking incredible. Um, King Kong. That was another, King like, Kong. Good one. I didn't see that until, like, a, a couple years ago. Mm. But King Kong, like, as an adult, I was, like, 19 or 20 looks incredible. Like, most of the CG in that movie holds up super well. Yeah. There's a scene where they're, like, running next to dinosaurs and, like, stuff's collapsing that looks awful. But everything else in the movie looks, like, really good. Yeah. And, uh... And King Kong himself looks fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He really does. Andy Serkis killed it in that movie. And another Andy Serkis movie that looks good. Three in a row. Because you brought up Lord of the Rings. Um, this is a more recent one. Like, the most... Because nowadays, it's like you go and see something, and if you see impressive CG, you're you're less likely to be like, wow, that, whoa! Because, you know, CG's pretty... We've pretty much got the gist of it at this point. Um, but, like, the Planet of the Apes movies uh, that they just did... We've only seen the third one. 
Mm. Um, but I, I remember seeing it in theaters. I'm like, oh, that yeah. that one's the one that looks the most impressive. Yeah, it's like the um, the fucking apes faces, and there's a big uh, fucking. I think it's like a orangutan. I can't. Remember. Yeah, he looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, he does, and it's like holy shit! Like they mastered it. Like it looks like yeah. they're real apes that they've got, but it's, it's all CG, and it's like holy shit! That is fucking fantastic. Um, but but early early life like the first ones I was impressed by were were the prequels and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and those were like some of the bigger like movies that did well with their CG that kind of yeah. like got successful from what I remember oh, at least. Um, Spider Man Two as well. So yeah, the Spider Man movies had pretty good fucking CG. Doc so. Ock's like arms they yeah. hold up like. The last time I watched them, I'm like, those, like, hold up really well. Um, I can tell that they're CG, but I, I, I personally am a fan of, like, all the, the way it looks when he's, like, swinging through the sky. And they, it's obviously, like, CG in yeah. those movies when he's doing, like, all those sorts of tricks. But I, I thought it was, like, stylistic enough that I liked it. Reminds it. me of comic book. <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, some of the early superhero stuff, they haven't aged, like, well at all. Like, especially, like, Ang Lee's Hulk. But I remember no, yeah. Ang Lee's Hulk, like, I thought it looked really cool when it first came out. Like, yeah. 2003, I think it looks good. I want to watch Ang Lee's Hulk soon. I haven't watched it in so long. The only thing I remember... I remember it, liking it. I remember, like, the opening sequence when, like, there's, like, the cutting the starfish. Fish. And then, like, the kids, like, underneath Bruce, little baby Bruce is, like... Under the table. Yeah. Yep. And then I remember, like, a scene later where he's, like walking through the street and he's mad and he's Hulk and there's like a tank shooting at him. That's like it. That's all I remember from it, really. Alright. Um, do you wish films would use less CGI and more practical effects? I mean, I the, a lot of the movies coming out right now just, I don't feel, can use practical effects. At least the ones that are coming out, like big blockbusters. A lot of them rely too heavily on like, I don't know. I don't, I don't mind it so much with, like, superhero movies and, like, big blockbusters and stuff like that. And I think, this, like, even though it might look better, I think I'd always prefer, like, digital special effects to, like, dangerous stunt work, like, setting actors yeah. on fire and stuff, you know. Um, the only genre where I wish practical effects would be more prevalent is like the horror genre and that's where it is most prevalent still yeah but that because you'll get like monsters and you know creature features and when it's cgi it can be really just like a badly done because a lot of horror movies especially like i don't understand the point of like low budget horror they're like we need a cgi monster i'm like you're a fucking idiot yeah (laughs) Um, but the, the, there are, like, cases of, like, low-budget horror movies that do, like, practical effects, too, and those look bad. Yeah. But, um, but just I mean, having, like, a smart, uh, like, effects designer who knows how to, like, light it right and get everything perfect for it and knowing how much is too much when showing it really goes a long way. Like, The Thing, that movie is, like, awesome, but you really don't see a whole lot of it in that movie. It's very yeah. short bursts. It's very, like, dimly lit when you do see it. So. But. 
Yeah, so I'm not too butthurt about yeah. about it. I mean, I just, like, with horror specifically, I feel like I appreciate bad practical effects more than bad CGI. Like, I can enjoy bad practical effects because I think it, like, looks goofy in kind of an endearing way. Yeah. With, like, bad CGI, I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah, definitely. Okay, this is the most important question. How many jumbo marshmallows can you fit in your mouth? Probably like three, maybe. I'm guessing. I have a big mouth. I'm guessing I can fit like five or six. So you can probably fit two on each cheek. And depending if I'm like deep throating the marshmallows. Yeah, if, I, I, if I was seven. like going the extra nine miles, I could probably fit four. But Are you ready for Pierre's questions? Oh, yeah. Sure. Are there any character design elements you universally love to see? For example, I love it when people have eye patches or false eyes. <coughs> no? Is, there's nothing in particular that uh, really resonates with me. I like unique, creative character designs, but nothing in like, particular. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything either. Like when people have jetpacks, <laughs> just for no reason. Yeah. You watched a silent movie for the podcast, but would you ever watch a movie with no visuals and only audio? Um, fun fact: There's a movie called Blue. Uh, have you heard of it? I have not. Okay. Um. I almost picked it for the pick today. Oh, okay. It's by this guy named Derek Jarman. He was a director. Uh, he did, like, Caravaggio, if you've heard of that. Um, I, I'm aware of who Caravaggio is, but... The movie. <laughs> he did a movie called Jubilee. He, he was like a... He did a bunch of movies, but um, he got AIDS, um, and he was, like, dying. And Blue is a movie. Oh, he, yeah, he, that's like where his eyes have progressed to, right? And he yeah, he was like pretty much blind. Him. I have heard um, of this. Yeah, so Blue is just a single screen of, it's just blue. It's like one unchanging color of blue. And oh, it's okay. just pretty much like an audio of like people talking about like AIDS and stuff. And huh. then he died like a couple months after the movie came out. So, but <laughs> I've heard the movie's extremely fucking sad. Because it is a documentary. And so I didn't pick it today because... Yeah. Because we just... Yeah. But I almost picked it today and I thought that was really funny that Pierre asked that question. So, yes, Pierre, I would watch a movie with no visuals and only audio. I guess one one color is technically a visual. I guess without visuals, it's not really a movie. But that's the closest thing we'll get to. Because I probably will pick that eventually, maybe in a couple weeks. Yeah, because I don't think we'll be picking any, like, radio dramas or anything like that. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. Um, do you think David Lynch ever read a book? Yes. Which books do you think he likes? Uh, I know he's a fan of Kafka, like The Metamorphosis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Does he... I, I'm not familiar with, like, the background of it, but did he like Dune? Like, did he want to direct Dune, or did... Like, was he just given a lot of money? Uh, I, I, I'm sure he probably had, like, some level of fascination with it. Um, I haven't read Dune myself, but 
Me neither. I know it's. I, I should I, watch I, it. I, I'm I going to before. Um. Uh, but he, yeah, I'm. I'm sure he was probably at least somewhat a fan. If I had to guess, but I don't know for certain. He probably really likes the Hunger Games. Not really. Probably, probably doesn't not. like them at all. But Twilight. David Lynch needs to direct Robert Pattinson. He does. Oh, dude. Robert Pattinson could totally play like David Lynch. He's got like... I Yo, totally see him having that. David Lynch makes a biopic about himself. With Robert Pattinson? Oh, I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah, Robert Pattinson could play David Lynch like pretty well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think they're probably close to the same height, too. So I think David Lynch is about, what, six foot? Yeah, maybe back in his prime. He he might be a little shorter now with the age, but what? He's like thirty, right? <laughs> I think so. Five eleven. <clears throat> Kyle, Mc... I don't know why, but Kyle McLaughlin always seems like a short person to me. Like his face reminds me of a short person, I but guess... he's six foot. Oh. Like, doesn't he feel like he should be, like, not even maybe short, but, like, 5'5"? Five, five? No, I always got, like, a, at least, like, a 5'9". Nah. From him. Maybe I just think everyone's short. I think everyone's tall, because I'm short. So. Ah, yes. That's why we're called the Screen Weens. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. All right. Let's fucking talk about Lee Chang Gong. All right. Um. Never mind. I was gonna say, should we read off our like guest rankings? Uh, we'll we... we'll talk about. So so we did do la- last time when we talked about Agnes Varda, we did a ranking list where we're like, okay, this is what I think your favorites are gonna be. But we'll we'll do that at the end because we have them written down. So okay, it's gonna be great. But let's talk a little bit about his life. So a crazy thing about him, he's sixty five now. And he didn't make his first movie until he was 43. Which Gives is, me hope. Yeah, it, like that makes me kind of really happy. Yeah. He just kind of, he, he was a teacher, a high school teacher. He's a um, novelist too, isn't he? He was a novelist. He was a pretty big novelist too. I wonder um, if there are any like English translations of his work. that like, I assume so. I think he's big enough like as a director that I would assume that his novels would have been passed on. Hopefully. But, yeah, he became a novelist in, he wrote his first book in, I think, 84, no, 83, called Chonri, something like that. Um, and then, <laughs> to later in his career, to the surprise of many, like, nobody expected him to start making movies. He's just like, I'm going to go bake green fish. He's uh-huh. like, Song Kang Ho. <laughs> yeah. With Song Kang Ho in one of Song Kang Ho's early roles. He was, he was in a couple things. Yeah, I think he started in 92 or 4. I think it's 94. Uh, and then he also wrote two screenplays uh, for a movie called To the Starry Island in 93 um, and A Single Spark in 95. Uh, and then he fucking... Uh, Single Spark run, won Best Film at the Blue Dragon Awards. Yeah. Which is like there. one of the big Korean... Yeah. Film festivals. Um, and he didn't study any filmmaking. Like, he didn't really 
he was just like, I can do it. I'm a novelist. So he wrote those screenplays and he's like, now I'm going to direct my own movies. Mm. Um, and like a lot of people were encouraging him because both those movies were like apparently really good. Uh, I don't think they're, they've been released over here like at all, which is unfortunate because I want to see them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he did make Greenfish, which is, which we'll be talking about in a bit. Um, and that, that one best film at Blue Dragon, which is mm. crazy. Like, when first time directors win, like, best film, that's like, what? Yeah. Um, it won the Dragons and Tigers Award at the Vancouver International Film Festival, okay. which is a big, big deal. And, like, it, it got a bunch of notice. Uh, Peppermint Candy, which was his next one, mm. which a couple of years later, 2000. Um, that one's told in reverse order. It's kind of epic. Um, that one, a couple awards as well. Like, pretty much every single one of his movies has been, like, critically acclaimed and won a ton of awards. Makes sense. Uh, Oasis in 2002. Oh, boy. Uh, that one's the silver line for best director at the Venice Film Festival, which is a pretty big deal. That's, like, the <laughs> the Joker one, the Golden Lion last year. Uh. Which is, which is very funny. Um, Oasis was entered in the 75th Academy Awards as mm-hmm. the best foreign language film for Korea. Didn't get nominated or anything, but it was entered. Okay. Which is kind of, it's it's still a big deal. Yeah. Um, it was given an, a humanitarian award. For uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival. They're like, here's this award. Which is, I guess, I don't really know what it is. I assume it's like movies that have a big empathetic impact, I guess. Um, And then around this time is when uh, fucking Romu Hyun, I think. Romu Hyun, something like that. That was the president of South Korea um, from fucking 2003 to 2008. Uh, he, he was being supported um, by Lee Cheng Gong. Yeah. And once he won, he's like, okay, I want you to be the minister of culture and tourism. And <laughs> Cheng Dong's like, I don't want to do that, but okay. <laughs> because they, they wanted a really big thing. They're like, we need to make sure that this thing is not part of the government. Like, they wanted somebody that was outside of the government to be, you know, because they're talking about culture and tourism. So they're like, yeah. government? Ugh, culture. <laughs> he's culture. <laughs> so he did that for two years, and he's like, I did not like it at all. <laughs> um, and then he got the fucking... He he got a he got a medal of honor from France. From what I know about it, I'm not really familiar with it, but it's pretty much called the Legion of Honor. It's it's probably the closest thing the French have to like a knighthood. They're like, here you go, Li Cheng Bong, Li oh. Cheng Dong, um, because he was trying to maintain screen quotas. Are you familiar with the term sc- screen quota? Uh, no. So it's, um, it's like a government mandated thing. 
that makes it so a film has to stay in theaters for a certain amount of time. Um, and he was trying to do that for international films. Like, oh, he was yeah, trying to make, yeah. he's like, we need to support independent, like, international people. So if they come, if they, like, a movie comes here, they have to stay for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think is, like, great fucking idea. Yeah. I, I, I think that, like, theaters in general, I wish foreign markets were, like, much better for, like, foreign films here. I wish that, like, only half of the theater would play, like, movies from here and the other half would just play foreign films. That'd be great. Yeah, because uh, I hate whenever, like, a movie from another country finally makes its way over And it's here, here it's... for, like, a week. Yeah. And, it's like, and oh, even great. that week, it's like, here's two showings a day instead of, like, eight or whatever. Exactly. Like, literally, Parasite had to win a Best Picture Award to, like, still be going. Exactly. All right. Um, Then he made Secret Sunshine in 2007. That went to the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, I don't think it won anything. Oh, uh, the lead actress in Secret Sunshine won pretty much Best Actress there. Mm. Um, they submitted it again for Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards. Nothing happened, though. <laughs> uh, and then it won Best Picture at uh, the Asia-Pacific Screen Awards. Um, the Asian Film Awards, Best Film, Best Director... And then Best Picture, Best Director at the Korean Film Awards. So that's really when the awards start piling in. Um, he was then Lee Chang Bong's like, or Lee Chang Dong's like, you know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to be a jury member at the Cannes Film Festival. So he did that the next year. And then he made Poetry, mm. which is about an old lady. Yeah. Uh, that won a film, uh, screenplay award at Cannes. Um, more awards kept rolling in, and then he took eight years off. Do you want to explain why? Because you you did research that, right? No, I actually oh. looked at um, just the stuff of like the president, and then I I had looked at that um, screen quota thing. Oh, okay. Then um, explaining like the foreign films staying in the theaters for a certain amount of time. So from 2010 to 2018, he didn't really make anything. He was done after poetry. He took a hiatus. A lot of it was the South Korean government, like, did not like him for trying to maintain screen quotas. Mm. Like, they're, like, pissed at him. And uh, apparently the South Korean government, like, does still kind of blacklist certain actors and actresses they do not like. But it's harder to do that with a director because they're like, I'm making my own movie. So he's like, even though he could theoretically do it, he just didn't feel the drive to make a lot of the movies. Um, I was reading a fucking interview with him after uh, Poetry came out. And he's like, I have a couple ideas, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. And then I was reading another interview after Burning came out. He's like, yeah, I just didn't go anywhere with those ideas. Which is unfortunate because the two ideas he was throwing around were one that set in the apocalypse... (laughs) And another one about a samurai. Hmm. And I'm like, both of those sound really cool from this director. Like, specifically having him make a movie in the apocalypse would be great. Yeah. Um, And then Burning 
Burning is one of the like more important films looking at the Academy Awards because although Parasite was like a huge deal because it won, Burning, which just came out two years ago, was the first Korean film that was even like nominated mm. for Best Foreign Film. If I if I'm reading that correctly, so like that paved the way for Parasite to win, in my opinion. Yeah. Which took a while. Like, they kept submitting great fucking movies. They're like, let us in. The Academy's like, the Green Book. Green Book. What was that same year, wasn't it? No. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. yeah. Green Book. Green Book. Green Book. <laughs> Green Book. Oh, come on. Of course you like fried chicken. You're black. You get, you people love fried chicken. And yeah. And we'll see where he goes next. Um, but Lee Chang Dong, super left-leaning. I could as tell. you can tell. What's interesting is he was born in a super conservative town. Ah, uh, just uh, like... Uh, Secret Sunshine. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Daegu? Daegu? Day or maybe Te, Tegu? Probably saying that wrong, but it's apparently a pretty fucking conservative place, right leaning. Um, apparently, the most conservative and rightist city in Korea. <laughs> um, and he was born to lower class parents, which is what's interesting is they were pretty far leaning left, but they were just living in the city. <laughs> And his dad came from, like, a noble class of, like, the old Korea. So what's interesting is, like, he was growing in an ex-noble family with socialist ties in a super right-leaning community. And a lot of the experiences he probably had as a child shaped how, especially, like, Secret Sunshine. I feel like Secret Sunshine, out of all of his films, is the most about him. Even though the main character is a woman. Yeah. That and Burning. Specifically, I have a couple things to talk about Burning from interviews as well mm. when we get to there. And then, yeah, he, he won the election. He helped the president. He's like, go support Romo Yun! And then the president killed himself. And yeah, after like, after office, like an hour, like a couple of years year, later. I, no, it was like a year. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, he jumped off a cliff yeah. and then... He, he didn't die right then, but he died of the injuries later on. Yeah, left a little suicide. Yeah, so uh, during the term when in which he was a minister of culture, he was like, we should have a screen quota for independent films. But his proposal met with fierce opposition by the Korean music uh, movie industry. I don't, I don't actually even know if it was for... Uh, I think it was just for in, maybe not international, maybe just independent films. But the mm-hmm. movie industry is like, no! I, I think it was for classic films, wasn't it? Like he wanted to like have like a certain possibly. I know he did quota, the, like the quota specifically was for like, independent films, but he probably mm-hmm. proposed that as well. And that's why he won the fucking night thing, the Leg- Legion of Honor. Epic! I'd give it to him for that. I would too, oh. because I'm pretty sure France does have a screen quota. Mm. Makes sense there. There's a lot of countries that do. And, uh, like, 
I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. We should have one. If we're having big government do things, help them ensure that small movies can stay in theaters. Well, it's because half our country doesn't believe in big government. They're like, no. Which is fine. If we don't believe in big government, get rid of it. But if we have it, have them do something good. Um, And then the Blue Dragon Awards he started not going to. Did you read that part? I I Um, did skim past that. Because the fucking newspaper that holds the award is like a conservative place. And he's like, fuck you. (laughs) And then since 2002, his films haven't been submitted. Because they probably win. (laughs) But he's, he's like made it very clear. He's like... I still support people going to it, like uh, specifically directors and I, people going. I bet to he's it. like peering over at Parasite right now. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta win that award now." <laughs> it's over. He's like, "I gotta make all those fucking Americans cry." Yeah, but then, um, yeah, and he's wrote he's wrote a couple things, and I want to read them all. Yeah, me too. Okay. Let me see if I got anything else in my notes. I think most of these are... Oh! There was an interesting thing from from that uh, interview in about poetry. Mm-hmm. He talks about how poetry's dying, but people are like going after this dying art form. Specifically in like Korea, he sees a lot of poetry dying. There are certain countries he's been to where like nobody does reads poetry anymore. He's like, this is a dying art form, and he talks about how film in ways is as well. Because he's like, there are films that are going huge right now. And he talks specifically about Avatar. And he's like, but that's not what movies I make. I make, like, these small movies that were getting destroyed by movies like Avatar. Yeah. And um, he was just, like, right around the corner from, like, the, you know, big, like, Avengers blockbuster yeah. room. Um, I mean, obviously, he makes films in South Korea. But eventually, that would... Yeah. I mean, South Korea does have big blockbusters as well that are, yeah. you know, more action-based and stuff. So I wasn't sure how long it... Like, if that was going before, or yeah, I don't, like, I don't when know. it would correlate over with, like, how it did over here. But, yeah, so he's, like, it's a dying art form. But the thing is, like, at the end of the day, I think that he'll be remembered for movies, like, that are made to evoke emotion and shit. Yeah. <laughs> While Avatar's just gonna be looked at for the video effects work, and that's, like, it. Because it's not a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think... I don't... A lot of people don't even fucking remember Avatar anymore. <laughs> like, I, at least, like... I saw it once in 2009, and I didn't go see it in theaters. I saw it, like, on my TV at home. I saw it, I think, twice in theaters, but that's just because, like... Somebody in my family really liked it. And they're like, it looks so good. And I do think it looked good, but that's I, about I it. I thought it looked all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it looks pretty good, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't looked at it in like t- over 10 years, but I'll, I'll rewatch it before uh, the sequel comes out. It was There was another interview with him where he was talking about other directors 
Uh, they were specifically talking about Bong Joon-ho, Hong Sang-so, which is that guy who made The Day the Pig Fell Into the Well, oh, okay. those types of movies, and uh, Park Chan-wook. And they're like, do you see like similarities between your directing styles? Or And he's like, yeah, but he talks about how Bong Joon-ho and Park Chan-wook make more cinematic films. Um, or like that's their goal. Yeah, well, no, his, he makes, his films are like much more naturalistic. But I, I actually like, I don't, I don't know. Like he, he says that the aim for going for a more cinematic, but I don't actually think I agree. Is at least for Bong Joon Ho, because I think Bong Joon Ho, like his intent, is pretty much very similar to Lee Chang Dong. Like he wants to make films about the characters, and I th- Bong Joon Ho is just fine with making movies that take those characters on journeys. While Lee Chang Dong's like journey, but at home. <laughs> I th- I think I I see what you're saying, and I think that they both do focus on very like character centric stories. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd I'd say that uh, Lee Chang Dong has a much more like like I said naturalistic kind of like presentation of his films while Bon Juno does go for like more cinematic especially um, I guess this also makes sense like, because I think I think this might have been the poetry one um which is right around like yeah, when Snowpiercer came out and yeah. Snowpiercer Par- particularly like Greenfish had some interesting like use of like color and uh Burning, I thought, had some pretty interesting, like, kind of cinematic elements to it, like, especially with, like, some of the blues that they would use. Yeah. But um, I mean, I there's some pretty good it, shots in like, all of them, I would say, but a lot of it is, isn't going for, like, to, like, it's not aiming to wow you, it's aiming to capture a realistic yeah. tone, yeah. Um, and I'd say, like, that's, like, kind of, like, the middle of his body of work. And between those two films is mostly that kind of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, I mostly just think it's interesting that a lot of people group Bong Joon-ho and Park Chung kind of in the same area as, like, similar directors. When I would say that, like, Park Chung-wook is a lot closer of a director to someone like Kim Ji-woon, um, who did, like, uh, I Saw the Devil. I know you haven't seen that one. Uh, yeah, great movie. I, um, I think I've only seen Stoker from Burke John Luke. Oh, oh fuck, okay. Um, you haven't seen Old Boy yet? No, I haven't seen okay. Old Boy yet. <sighs> um, but And then Kim Ji-woon also did uh, The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Mm. But they both make kind of... The, the, I would say those are closer to be like more cinematic experiences and stuff. Um, Bong Joon-ho, I think, is a lot closer to Lee Chang-dong. And I think that Hong Sang-so is also close to them. I haven't seen any of his movies yet, though. And you watched half of the day the pig fell into the water. Yeah. And then you're like, I don't like Koreans. No, I just, I, it was one of those things where I paused it and then never came back. Just stay, uh, yeah. Just, I'm like, I'm going to bed. It, 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 it's made up of like vignettes. Mm. So I like finished a vignette and then I had left off and then I didn't have that like cliffhanger where I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? You're like, I completed a story. I'm done. <laughs> That's the danger of watching, like, anthology films or vignette-based <laughs> stories and, like, leaving for a second, yeah. like, pausing it. Because you're like, oh, I'm done with that story. I don't really want to get into another one. Exactly. It's like, oh, man, if I could just play a game of, like, Fortnite, right? Fortnite, Fortnite! All right. Now we're in 
And I guess we should talk about the actual movies. Yes. Okay, so we got Greenfish to talk about. Peppermint, Peppermint Candy. Candy, Oasis, Secret Sunshine, Poetry, and Burning. Let's start off with Greenfish, which at least to me was probably the least emotional journey for me. Like, it was still sad, but it didn't, like, shock me to the core. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there, there were things about this movie that did kind of, like, catch me off guard. Like, I was kind of expecting it to build up this one way. And this is this is the first movie of his I watched. So this mm-hmm. is... I, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from this director. Oh, I also had a weird watch order. So um, I, I watched them all in order except um, Poetry and Secret Sunshine. I, like, swapped. So oh, okay. Um, so you watched Burning Last? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I should go over my order. So I had already seen Secret Sunshine, so I was at least similar, like, familiar with his directing style a little bit. Mm. I didn't know if all of them were going to be this sad because I had only seen one. I'm like... Okay. Um, this then they all work. Directs depression. Yeah. He's like, I only do this. I only make sad movies. This is what I do. Yeah. Um, but I watch poetry first. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, this is what he does. Yes. Um, and then I watched Oasis. And I'm like, oh, this is what he does. Yeah. And then I watched Burning. And I'm like, oh, this is what he does. And then Greenfish. Greenfish was my fourth one, so I'm like, okay. okay. And watching, and then Peppermint Candy, which for most of it, I'm like, okay. okay. And then, like, the last scene fucking ties the movie together. I know we're skipping ahead, but the last scene of the movie ties it all together for me. You, what you just said about Peppermint Candy pretty much expresses my whole... Because I was watching, and 99% of the movie, I'm like... Eh, this this is all right. What, and then that, candy? Yeah, and then that final scene happens. I'm like, holy shit! I really liked that. Yeah, I don't like. That. <laughs> and I, don't I, I liked the pieces, and I know we're skipping ahead one movie, but I liked the pieces in Peppermint Candy enough by themselves, and I was like, this is a decent movie. And then like it jumped up multiple points for me with, yeah, with the final scene. I'm like. Those, those like, final two scenes where it's, like, you really get a sense of, like... It's like like you're making a painting, like, in reverse or something, like, in the sand kind of thing, and they flip it over and it reveals the painting. Yeah. Like, you don't really see how anything's, like, connected. Like, you can see it, you can see the pieces, but until they flip it and you see the finished product, it doesn't really work, in my opinion. And then suddenly it all works. Yeah. And I, that's why I think, like, Pepper and Candy is so fucking fascinating in the way it's made. Like, the reverse chronology. Cron- I can't fucking talk today. Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm very tired. So am I. Um, but Jesus, yeah. that movie was I really like, liked all the shots of, like, when it would, like, be moving backwards and we just With get that train. shot of the train yeah. moving backwards. But, um, all right, let's let's. And then I watched back. Greenfish, Pepper and Candy, and Secret Sunshine was my last one because okay. I thought it would be fun. Because I watched it first originally. and so. Okay, so Greenfish. Do you want to talk about this one? Or do you uh, want to talk about Peppermint Candy? I can talk about Greenfish. Mm-hmm. I probably remember this one a bit more. Um, I watched pretty much all of these movies back to back. 
So I'm probably just going to be talking a lot of like general plot points because I've just got out of six hours of pure leeching. Did you just finish burning? Like it was like maybe seven when I finished it. So (laughs) okay. So they're all still very fresh with me. So I'm, I'm still kind of like digesting a lot of it. And I didn't have time to like sit after each movie and be like, hmm, yes, this is what I think. So a lot of it was just like, all right, I'm going to finish that one. On to the next one immediately. Uh. So um, Greenfish begins. Um, I don't remember the main character's name, but he's returning home from his term in the military. Uh, he's kind of just looking out. He's, he's on a train and he's like looking out the window. And he kind of what was it? Mock dong. Mock dong. Uh, and he looks out the window and he sees this woman there, and she like her scarf gets blown away in the wind, and it like hits him in the face. So he's like, "Oh, okay, let me go return this scarf to her." And he does, and she's being harassed by a group of guys. So he comes in, he's like, "Hey guys, what's the deal here?" You and know? She like runs off, and, and then they like, bother, and they just start kicking the shit yeah, out of him. They beat the shit out of him. So he goes into the bathroom and washes his bloody face with this lady's scarf, and and then he puts it over his face, and then just starts breathing. He's like, <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> the scarf is just going into his mouth. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So then he takes it home, or no? So he gets off the train. And so specifically, the train parks and he grabs like a big like I don't know what it was. It was like a trophy or something yeah, out of his yeah. bag. And he goes and he hits one of them in the head as the train starts moving as if he's going to just jump back on the train. He yeah. just wants to like hit him in the head and then jump back on. He almost does. He almost he's does, but he close. misses the train. So then he just runs off and he left his bag on there. Obviously. Yeah. So he takes that scarf home and, like, washes it, and it's, like, uh, out on, like, the clothing line outside. Um, and, yeah, so he gets, he's, like, told that some lady called. And he's like, oh, um, who was it? His, it's his mom or his aunt or his grandma. I don't fucking remember. I watched this movie a few days ago. But, uh. So old lady who took the call for, for him is like, I don't know, but she left a number. So he calls the number back, but he doesn't get a response. I believe it was his mom because this is the same point when he finds out his mom's like working and like all his parents. He's like, you, you shouldn't be working. I'll provide for you. Uh-huh. Like from the very beginning, he's like, I'm going to help provide. I'm going to help. And I'm going to provide for everybody so you don't have to work because I think his... His sister's, like, maybe a prostitute? <laughs> or at least is, like, hanging out with men. He's like, what's you doing? Don't go to them. Yeah. Like, they never really stripper. say anything, but... Yeah, they said some, some form of uh, sex work. And then the only person that doesn't work in his family is his oldest brother, who is mentally disabled. Yeah. Um, but they, they have, like, a family. Right? Yeah. It's a ramen shop. Yeah, they have a small little shop. I think it's a ramen shop. Right? Yeah. Uh, some some cuisine. Some type of food. Um, or I guess his sister's just working as a hostess, but she was just like 
being really flirty with the guy. So I yeah. assume that when I first saw her, like, that's what I was assuming. Is, like, is she going to have sex with him? <laughs> mm. But oh, I guess yeah, not. Yeah, I guess I she's mean, just the host. Oh, yeah. I guess she was because he chased her out of the restaurant. But um, he he's, like, driving around with his buddy. He's... <laughs> Do you remember the? Is this this is the movie with the fucking egg cart, right? Yeah. So they're driving around in an egg cart trying to sell eggs, and then they get pulled over because somebody he his friend uh, is like ran a red light. Ran a red light, and he's like, "Listen, I'll give you." It's pretty much the equivalent of like ten bucks. Yeah. But just don't pull us over, and the guy's like, or no, he says he'll give him five bucks. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, I only have ten, and I need lunch. Can you give me change to the police officer? So the, and the police like, yeah. yeah, sure. And then gets in his car and just starts driving away. So, so then he's like, him. I fucking refuse. I need my money back. So they start chasing the cop car and using the egg. Like they have a their own little siren that they use to yeah. go like buy some eggs. And they're like pull over. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, this that was probably the funniest scene in any of the movies to me. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, this might film be the itself scene. might be, like, the funniest, I guess, or, like, the most humorsome. Yeah. I like some of the, actually, some of the karaoke scenes Song Kang-ho does and Secret Sunshine are kind of funny. Yeah. And any time Song Kang-ho is in one of these movies, it, it's Actually, got... yeah. But I would say Greenfish has the most humor. Yeah. It definitely does. The most of his mo- movies are pretty devoid of humor, if I'd say so. Like I think there there's glimpses of them every couple mo- like I laughed minutes, a lot, but but it was like <laughs> was it that kind of laughter? It was like a, uh, <laughs> I'm uncomfy. Yeah, like the the one scene specifically I'm in danger where I I just started like laughing was uh during the scene. The church crying scene in Secret Sunshine. I was I was just like burst in the laughter. <laughs> All right, I, this, it was just my natural reaction. But um, he eventually meets that girl again that he got the scarf. Yeah, from. Yeah, he like he, see, he, he sees her at like a club that she's singing at. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I have your stuff. And he's like, oh, cool. And then she's like walking out and he's walking with her. And then a some car pulls guard, up. Some guards are like, hey, where are you going? Get she's back. Like, I'm with my new boyfriend. They're like, what? Who? Who is that? We don't. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is my new boyfriend. And then they grab her and like throw her in the car. And he, he kind of. And attempts. he like tries to help. And then they like immediately like throw him against the wall. Yeah. And then. Song he starts King. driving, and Song Kang Ho walks up. He's like, "Do you have a lighter?" Yeah. He's like, "No." He's like, "Fuck you." No, he has a light. Oh, he has a lighter. Yeah, oh, he has okay. a light in this scene. And um, then, yeah, but then suddenly the car like pulls up again, like a couple minutes later. He's yeah. walking, and it's them again. She's all happy all of a sudden. She's like, "Hey, get in!" And so he does. He does, and the guy's like, "Hey, do you have any skills?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "Do you have any dreams?" He's like, "No." He's like, what the fuck is it with you, like, young you, people? You young people. Never having any dreams. Li Cheng Dong very obviously has a problem with old people. It, I, who doesn't? Like, like in any of his movies, he's like, you know what? I hate old people telling young people what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, Li Cheng Dong's fucking cool. Like, he's a nice, like, Li Cheng Dong's old. He's like 65. Oh, yeah. But he's like, he's hip. Yeah. He gets it. He, he's a cool. He guy. gets the struggle. Um, 
Yeah, so he gets in, and they're basically like, all right, well, go apply at this car. Yeah, garage. here, tell tell them I, I told you to come here. So he does, and he gets a job. Yeah, and I, I, I like the scene, because it's like, uh, they're like, how, how do you know uh, this guy? And he's like, I just do. I just know him from around. No, like, oh, okay. Sure, whatever. <laughs> so they, they hire him, and it's pretty much, it's pretty obvious that the guy he was with is like, a mafia boss. Yeah. Like, from the get-go, it's so, like, or at least a criminal. Yeah, like some sort of crime syndicate head. Um, so he's like, mm, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Immediately, he, uh, the girl that he likes, what's her name? Mie, I believe. Mie. Mie. Isn't that the name of, uh, the girl from Burning as well? Uh, it's Mie in that. There's an H. Oh, my, my bad. But yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Mie in this and Mihe in that. However, could I mix those two up? I don't know. I don't know. You must be an idiot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Mie, like, pulls in on his first day and he goes over like he's going to go greet her. But she's just straight up crying in her car. So he's like, oh, I'll just hide around this corner and then I'll say hi to her. But she just kind of, like, ignores him. He's like, oh, okay. And then... Um, another car pulls up that has, like, some of the bosses, like, goons in it. Song and one song came yeah. out particularly. And, and like, they're hey. like, he's like, hey, give me the keys. And they're like, no. And he's like, what are you doing? Give me the keys. Yeah, this is my job. Give me the keys. And his boss is like, no, no, it's okay. Don't but then he gets in a fight with Song Yeah, Song was like, hey, give me a light. And then this is the point where he, I, I think he doesn't have a lighter. Maybe. I One of these times he doesn't have a light. I don't, know, I don't even remember time. why this fight occurred, but it happened. And I was thinking it's, during this, I'm like... This? It's because he, Song Kang was like, hey, you know me. You gotta greet me properly. He's like, fuck you, asshole. For he's, like, he's like, what? He's like, what did you just say? Get over here. So and then they get into a tussle. starts beating up on him, and then he turns around, and then he gives him the board to the bag. Yeah, they're like going back and forth for like a minute and then like he punches the guy in the face and they're like, stop it, stop it. And everyone and then, finds that pretty funny. Yeah, and then the main character just grabs a fucking two by four and just hits Saul King on the back. Everyone head. thinks that's really yeah. funny. So. And they and they pretty much just give him a better job because like, of it. Oh, yeah, come join the gang, you know. So like, he works for that car place for like two days. Yeah. And he's like, now I work for the mafia. Which I'm like, that's not good, man. Yeah, no. And, and the, the main guys, like, the main mob boss is like, we're not doing anything illegal. I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that one. Yeah. So, he joins this game and progressively gets closer to the boss's girlfriend. And it, it it's, it's like a weird situation because she's like allowed to sleep with like other guys in fact it's kind of encouraged she's kind of like the she she's kind of sex object used by like this gang of guys like all the other like gang members sleep around with her but the only person who she hasn't slept with is uh the main character whose name has unfortunately slipped my mind again uh mokdong i believe mokdong yeah mokdong uh and you know he's a real he's a real shy guy. You know he's you know probably got his V card if I had to guess. Probably, but he uh, 
He tries to, he wants to really impress his boss, so he needs to incite a fight between him and, like, a councilman or something that's, like, trying to bring this guy down. Yeah, so he, so he goes in the bathroom, and he fucking breaks his own fingers in the bathroom stall. That scene specifically, like, like the fingers looked pretty good. They did. I was like, whoa, look at that. I was like, oh, shit, they must have set up that hand, like, right before that shot or something. Or maybe they just actually broke his fingers. Yeah, because they show him, like, putting, like, the hand up and then, like, shutting it in the door. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Um... And then, and then he like tries. He like gets. He keeps calling the councilman like. And he's like, oh, he does sing. do karaoke. Oh, that's, that's right. We, there's karaoke yeah. in every scene, every movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like you, you should never, sing never. Again. And he's like, if you if you ever sing again, you're a fucking. You're not human. And the dude's like, all right, I get calm it. Calm down. He's like, he's like, no, you're, you you're, don't. You don't. And he's like, what the fuck is your problem? He pushes him. He's like, you want to fight? And he tries to like fight him. And then he like the next time he pushes him over, he's like, oh, you broke my head. He's like screaming. Yeah, he's like literally crying, and then the other gang's just coming in, like, "Hey, wow, you, what look the- what you did!" And they're like, "He's like, you tricked me." Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And then the boss kind of scolds him for being reckless. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, "You shouldn't have broken your fucking hand for that." Yeah. Uh but then he, because he does that, he's like, "Call me Big Brother," or like, uh, which pretty much like it's it translates to Big Brother or like a more endearing version of boss kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and fucking Song Kang Ho at this point, who's plays this guy named Pan Su, I believe, or Pan Su. Yeah. He's kind of pissed about this. He's like, I had to call you, like, boss for, like, a year before you let me call me your big brother. And he's been here, like, three days. Yeah. And then he's really mad at Song Kang Ho and starts, like, beats beats, beating the shit out of him. He's like, sorry. And the, the biggest problem I have with this movie is I think they should have had Pansu be more of a character because yeah. there's some really interesting stuff about like the the interesting dynamics between those two there's one point where I thought they were taking his character in one direction I was like ooh I, I like this and then they don't really do anything yeah. like I, I would have loved the movie if they had like kind of dual protagonists like telling two different stories kind of thing and how they intersect and I felt like they were kind of trying to do that, like insert him more into the story on occasion, and then he, they they just didn't do enough. Yeah, with him. that was my biggest. And I can't tell if that was just me wanting more Song Kang Ho because I think he's great in the movie. He's very fun. No, they they definitely like even without the context of like, oh, this is Song Kang Ho, the greatest actor who ever lived. Uh, you know, they like definitely build his character up to be a more antagonistic foil to the main character. Yeah, and then he just. And then he just kind of fizzles out of the story in the third act. And then he's just suddenly like, no, I'm on the other team. Yeah, and that's where I thought they were going to start taking him into a more interesting direction. But he basically just kind of disappears. Disappears after that scene. And it's like, ah, well, damn. Okay. But right around this time, uh, him and Mie are kind of falling in love. Yeah, they like Um, make out on a train in one scene. Yep. After she basically expresses, I've slept with everyone then, but this you. Is, this is a really important scene, too. Because, like, this is where they realize that they both feel, like, isolated, even surrounded by people and hopeless. Yeah. Because he's like, I want to be able to support my family. But right now, I can't even live with, like, I want to be able to live with them, but I can't because I'm working here. And I'm making money to send them. But then he shows, the, he gives them the picture of his home with yeah. the big tree. And th- this which is... Very important for the ending. Yeah. 
we we also I think skimmed over the scene where like uh, she's performing and she like some like somebody in the crowd had like made a comment at her. Which so she oh, kinda, and she like fro- because she was like drunk on stage because she's she's obviously being emotionally abused as well and used like physically she, yeah as well yeah um and so she like froze up so then he just starts beating the shit out of the guy yeah he just He's goes like, up and he like busts and he, a bottle he, he breaks head. a bottle you're like, crazy what I want to fucking go and I'm like whoa yeah what if Nick Cage was in this movie <laughs> what if um. So that that's kind of like what instigates the scene on the train where they like open up and he like gives her the photo and they make out, um, and then yeah, uh, she's like, "You can walk me home or whatever," you know. And then he, he doesn't really take the bait. He's just like, "Eh." eh. Um. Oh yeah, it is revealed that Mockdown's a virgin. They say it. They like say. It, oh virgin. okay, I I didn't quite remember that part. Um, but yeah, you, you can tell that he's got like this dyna- this kind of like love triangle going because it seems like he there's like part of him that likes the boss, but he feels obviously conflicted because like obviously the boss shows him a lot of approval. Throughout the yeah, film. it's like it's this weird dynamic where he's trying to gain approval, but he also is in love with Mie, who's very obviously being abused with by this guy, and is obviously like a item of possession. Yeah, more. like this is around the scene where they send her to go have sex with like a prosecutor, mm. and like he makes her drink and shit. It's just like, Ugh! and Mok Dong sees like the main guy. I think his name's Bay Taegon or something like that. He, like, beats her pretty much, though. Yeah. But this is the scene where, like, things start to change for the main boss because his boss, his, like, former boss shows up. It's his brother, isn't it? Um, oh, I, no. I guess maybe it's like, the language. It's, thing, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just... I thought it was his literal older brother. No, it's uh, this guy named Kim. I'll just call him Kim. He shows up, and he, he's been in, like, prison for a while. And... Uh, he want he's pretty much wants to take over the fucking the whole neighborhood that Bay has made. He's like take back all. He's like fuck that. (laughs) But um, Um, yeah, the he's not very good at defying or standing up against him. He just basically any offensive move that he makes, um, he just kind of like rolls over and yeah, he's just getting pretty much humiliated over and over again. And to the point he, where even his men are like, well, f- fuck this. I'm yeah, Pons, Pons, Pansu, this is the part where Pansu yeah. like, changes over and they go over to his big bar or restaurant or whatever he has. Because he builds it right across the street. Yeah, but and then they go to Bay's, they go back to Bay's place and everything's destroyed. Mm. And then he takes Mok Dong up to like a roof or something and they talk about his dream and they he finally reveals his dream. He's like, I want to support my brother. And my family, and I want to live with them and have our restaurant. And then he's like, "I need to, I need to do this for my boss." So he goes to the other guys, the Kim's club, and he goes in the bathroom as he's in there, and he and he kills him. Yeah, he has like I think it's just like a giant shard of glass or a giant knife wrapped in newspaper. Yeah. 
Um, and just stabs him And stabs him over and over and again. drags him over to a bidet. Yeah. No, that's a toilet. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's just oh, okay. what toilets look like. Oh. It, they're just on the ground. I'm, I'm just... Uncultured. Uncultured, yeah. yeah. They don't have stalls with bidets. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I but just they, they like, throw them in there, and there's a drunk guy that comes out, and he's, like, trying to wash away all the blood, and he's, like, freaking out. He's, like, screaming. And, uh, this seems like, I thought, was really good. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Like, somebody that's, like, never killed somebody before, and, like, he's, like, ah! And then this next scene, uh, he immediately goes to a phone booth. This is the most famous scene from the movie. Like, this is, especially in South Korea, like, this is a really big scene. Mm. Um, and he calls his older brother and he's like, do you remember the green fish? <laughs> and he has this big monologue that was all pretty much improvised. Oh, huh. Mr. Mr. Lee Cheng Dong like loves writing his movies and stuff, but he's like, I want you to do this. So he pretty much just let him go. Like there were, there were talking points obviously, yeah. but most of it was just the main character, the main actor. Yeah. And I thought that scene was fantastic. So yeah. I was a big fan. Uh, and then and we then, get the next scene where the boss... Yeah, the boss shows back up um, and fucking... Apparently he shoots him. I thought he stabbed him, but... Yeah, um, I had to retake it because it's just... We, we see because him it, in it's a dark in total room. darkness, so like they're like in an alley or like below a building. And you hear this noise and the sound design for it sounds like the sound design for as if like... He had gotten shoved into like a shelf or something. Like it, it didn't sound very much like a gunshot yeah. to me. Like it, it needed like more like reverb and echo. I guess it was just kind of like a loud like bang, and it, what, it didn't have. To That's why I thought like he was like stabbing. He hit something or something. Yeah, and then he like comes out and it's he like, comes. Yeah, Bay gets back in the car with Mie. He like brought her to kill him. Yeah, and like. Uh, Mok Dong comes out and she's like, what the fuck happened? And he basically just comes out and dies on their windshield to yeah. stare them, stare him he's like, he's like, in the eyes. He's like on the window and he's just breathing and the cloud smoking yeah. up the, and I'm like, yikes. And then the final scene is uh, like months later. Yeah. Um, she's pregnant at this point. And they visit his house like, because they have a restaurant and, and she doesn't know it's his house. Yeah. And they're eating. And, and it also leaves questions like, could it potentially be his kid? His kid, yeah. Because there's a scene they, where we don't see them sleep together. But, but they're like laying next to each other and, and it's implied they may have. Yeah. And she basically, she's, you know, they're, you know, they go to this, you know, the brother's house. Yeah. And they're like having a good time. And then she walks outside and she sees this giant tree and she's like, she, like, a look of realization starts to go across her face, and she, like, runs the car and empties out her bag and finds the picture and then just, like, is sobbing, and the movie ends. Yeah, like, the husband gets in the car and they drive away. That's it. It's over. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously that ending's very sad. Like, yeah. the, the last couple scenes are very sad. But, like, the other movies are, like, s- super sad throughout, while Greenfish has, like, a sense of... Yeah, because this is the one that, like, hit me the most, because I I totally thought it wasn't building to be this just depressing movie. I thought... Because I had watched three others, I was like, fine. I'm like, look at this. He's got, like, the egg card. This is fun. I I figured he would end up, like... I don't know if he would have, like, 
joined with the uh, opposing guy to like try and get this guy like taken out or like worked under him just to try and mm-hmm. get get it so that the boss is killed and he can live free with uh Hie, what's her name? Mie. Mie. Um and maybe like San Kane Ho was gonna become more conflict once he once he like traded sides again. Yeah. But they they didn't go that route. Like it went the complete opposite where he's like, oh I'm gonna kill this guy instead. Then obviously, it ended how it ended, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. As soon as he killed the other mob boss, I'm like, "Oh no, he's gonna die too." Yeah. I'm like, "No, no, no! Don't do this to me." But this movie, uh, there's some really good um, in the latter half. I thought the first half looked fine, but the latter half, there's a scene where he has sunglasses on and he's like using a lighter. Yeah. And you see the reflection in the sunglasses. I thought that scene looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it was a really nice shot. And the, I really like a lot of the music in this movie as well. A lot yeah. of it is like jazz mm-hmm. or like a lot of horn heavy stuff. And I, I thought it fit the aesthetic of the movie. Like kind of, it kind of feels like, like a gangster movie in the sense that it felt like he uh, Lee Chang Dong had seen Scorsese films before and kind of made the mob bosses play off of a movie like that, I would say. Yeah. So, and I, I thought, I always think that jazz is a good, a good thing to tie in with gangster movies. I think adds the aesthetic pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Shady. Even though, even though gangsters nice don't really listen to jazz. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know many gangsters besides you. Uh, dude. Uh, we're more of a hip-hop community. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I... The, the biggest problem... I really like the movie, at least personally. I Same. Um, the biggest problem is I do think that Song Kang Ho... Like, Pansu, I think, could have been a fucking amazing character. Like... And I wish that uh, Mie had a little more characterization as well. Yeah, there's some there's some early stuff that's really good, and some later stuff. But I felt like she was kind of just washed away and it all, and not to the point where it's like was adding to it. Like there's obviously characters in other movies that are kind of washed away, mm-hmm. but that adds to the main character's journey. And I don't think that really happened here. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, as much as I could enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I I had a good time, I guess. I liked it. There we go. I personally am going to give this one a 7. I give it an 8. Wow! Uh-oh. 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 That means that... I don't know. Maybe you gave all of these an 8. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, okay. So that's 7.5 for us. Peppermint Candy. Peppermint Candy. So what's interesting, I Peppermint Candy was my least favorite for most of it. I, and then and yeah. then by the end of it I'm like, never mind. <laughs> like Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel what you're saying on that I to was a certain like, extent. Fuck. So I was like, whoa, dude. So and that that's the genius of how he made the movie. So the movie's told the movie opens. With the main character. Who's the main character in Oasis? Same actor. Okay. And he's a fucking great actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So the main character, let me check his name. Kim Hyong, no, Kim Yong Ho. Yong Ho, that's what they call him, Yong Ho. So Yong Ho opens up with him. He's like in a river, <laughs> he's just walking around. He's by some train tracks. Uh, there's a group of people he used to know around and he goes up and he like starts partying with them. They're already doing karaoke. <laughs> he opens up with them doing karaoke. And he's doing karaoke with them, and he's like, he sings a song, he's like screaming it. He's obviously very depressed. He's like screaming the song. He's like, why did you leave me? Yeah. Why don't you love me? That's not actually a song, but it's pretty similar in tone. I can do that. Uh, And then he goes up on the train tracks, and they're like, oh, he's just messing around. Um. But then he thinks that they think he's going to die. But then there's two train tracks and the train goes on the other one. Yeah. And then one of the other guys is like, come on, you've been up there for too long. Get down. And then another train comes and he's like, no. And then he just looks at the train and screams. And then it like uh, pauses on his face right before he dies. Yeah. And then it's like, peppermint candy. Do, do, do. And then yeah. it starts. And the movie is told through uh, reverse chronological order. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts with his death. He, he dies. And then it starts going backwards from, uh, 99 and we end up all the way in, I think, 80. Yeah. Uh, something it's about, it's a 20 year period pretty much. So what was the last? Oh, so it happens three days before, um, he gets a, he's kind of just walking around being a weirdo. Um, he goes and buys something from this suspicious guy. We don't know what it is yet. He just has kind of a bag. Um, and he goes and pretty much just steals food from someone. He's like, oh, I don't have any money. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that was kind of rude. Um, and then we find out what he tried to buy. It was a gun. Yeah, he bought a gun. And he's like, he like points it at his hand. He's like, mm, and I'm like, ah! But I'm like, well, I know he doesn't kill himself now because I saw. Uh, um, doesn't have any bolts. But he doesn't. He goes and buys some, right? Or... Uh, yeah, he does. He gets some. And then he tries to shoot his boss. He tries to shoot his... We don't even really know who this guy is. I, I assumed it was Yeah, boss. and some guy's driving out, and he's suddenly there, and he shoots, and he misses. Yeah. And then he runs off, and then uh, as he's going home to his weird fucking shack he has, this uh, kind of bigger guy shows up, and he's like, hey, are you young ho? And he's like, like yeah, what the, who the fuck are you? He's like, um... Can we talk inside? And they start talking. And he pulls his gun. He's like, who the fuck are you? He's like, well, uh... And he doesn't say it yet, but he's like, let me tell you my story. He's like, I'm going to kill myself, but I'm not going to go alone. So who should I kill? And then he briefly says, like, the people that fucked him over. Yeah, like uh, stockbrokers, his ex-wife. His ex-wife. On him. Stockbrokers yes. that, yeah. like, lost all his money and his boss who, like, laid him off or something like that. Like, those are the three. He's like, so who should I kill? Um, and he's like, hey, um, do you remember... What was her name? I don't remember her name. I didn't... Sunim. Sunim? Sunim. Uh, Sunim? Sunim, probably. Uh, he's like, do you remember Sunim? He's like... Uh, he like couldn't remember her at first. He's like, you two or he's like, like each other. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh yes. 
And she's, he's like, she's about to die. She wants to see you. And I'm her husband. Yeah. So they, they do go to the hospital together. And, she's and I'm like, wow, this husband's pretty understanding. That guy just pulled a fucking gun on him. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably had just been dealing with his own depression like, for a week, and then he comes to this other depressed guy's place, and he's like, I'm depressed, I've got a gun. And he's like, dude, I get it, I've been there. Yeah, just dude. fucking shit. <laughs> but they get there, and she's, like, pretty much slipped into a coma, uh, yeah. like she's going to die, so he can't really... She's she's still, like, conscious. Yeah, they think she's still conscious, but she can't really talk or anything. And well, he, we, we find out at the end of the scene. She yeah. Is. Uh, he brings out a jar of peppermint candies. And yeah. I went, it's the movie! Uh, apparently, she used to send those to him, like, while letters. He was, yeah, while he was, he was in, the military. in the military. And he's like, I, I saved them all. Look, they still have this shape. Um, and he, like, starts getting really emotional. And then he eventually leaves. Yeah. And, and it zooms husband, in on her face, and she's, like, crying. Yeah. And the husband follows him out, and he's like, hey, you know, she said that this is yours. Take it. And gives him this the wrapped item and then and it, it's like a camera yeah and which he immediately sells yep to buy bullets i think or what is it what, what does he buy does I, he buy a suit did he have a suit on already he might have bought the suit no, that he um has on at the end of the, the husband gave him the suit. oh the husband did give him the suit that's right Um, yeah, I don't out remember what, what he bought. It might be bullets, but I'm not sure. But I, I mean, he already had bullets. Did he buy more? Maybe. He buys something. Fuck. I don't remember what he buys. But, uh, then we cut back to... 1987, I think, is like when it goes back. Goes back. Uh, five years, so 94. 94, 94 first, then 87. Okay. So 94 is when he's uh, like a he's a pretty successful businessman. Mm. Um, but then this is when he confronts his wife, who's having an affair with her driving instructor. Um, but he's like he's he can't claim any moral high ground. Because he's also having an affair. But he still beats the shit out of her and the driving instructor. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this guy's just not good. Like, yep. you know, like, the even the gun thing, we didn't know anything about this guy. But then this is the, the flashback where it's like, oh, this guy's just not a good guy. Yeah, it's kind of a piece of shit. Um, and then he's having, like, a uh, fucking dinner with his wife. And he just starts, like, yelling at her. He kicks their dog. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why would you kick the dog? Yeah, because he's a fucking asshole. But it's it, that that scene's pretty much... That, that whole flashback's just to be like, well, he was a successful businessman, then things started going awry when he, like, was having an affair and he was being cheated on as well. Yeah. Um, and then it goes to the third flashback, which is 87. Yeah. Which is... Cop. um. He's a cop. He his wife is pregnant because mm-hmm. in the ninety four they had like a seven year old, um, and then he fucking it's pretty mundane at the beginning. He's just like eating with his wife. He's just hanging out. He seems kind of sweet to her at this point. Like there are some at least there's a couple. He like ignores her while he's like reading the newspaper. 
Never mind. I was thinking the yeah. before. <laughs> yes. No, he's still a bitch to his wife. But it's not as bad. Um, she's like, I'll call you later. He's like, don't call. Don't call. Uh, and then he he gets a witness. And then he starts torturing him. Yeah. And it's really scary. Uh, and then he captures a wanted man. But he's trying to... Uh, Find Sunim at this point. He's like in the area that she grew. She is so he's like randomly trying to find her, um, because they're like we don't need all three of us to be on this stakeout. He's like oh, okay, and then he just randomly has a one night stand with someone. Yeah, and I'm like oh, and then it flashbacks again to probably like eighty four, eighty three. I can't remember. I think eighty three. Um, and this is when he's just starting out as a policeman. And he's, like, pressured into, like, torturing a demonstrator or a, a suspect. Um, and he's, like, having trouble. This is when you start to realize that he's, like, okay, at least he has, like, a conscious at the beginning. Because he's, like, he's, like, please just tell me. Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, please. I don't want to do this. It's, like, yikes. But everyone's, like, torture him. But he is, uh. Visited by Sunim at this point. Yeah. And this is when... Uh, she gives him the camera. The camera, yeah. But he, like, gives it back to her. And he's, he's, yeah. and he's talking about uh, his future wife, who, like, he doesn't even really have an interest in at this point. I don't know what he's doing, but I think he's just trying to... I think at this point he realizes that he's just not a good guy and he shouldn't be around Sunim. Yeah. Or he's just a bitch, either way. <laughs> some, some sort of motivation... But, yeah, so he gives her back the camera, and he's like, well, bye. And then, yeah, she goes away. Well, and then we bye. we have two more flashbacks. We have the big one, which kind of reveals that he was in the military, you know, back to his military service. And when she dropped off the camera, she was talking about a time when she came, you know, she tried to stop by and see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, you didn't know about that? And he's like, no, nobody ever told me. But he, he saw her, as we see in this flashback. It begins with her trying to, like, get into this military base area to, like, see him. And but they're like, sorry, we're under martial law. You can't. And she's yeah. like, please. And they're like, nope, go away. So she's just kind of walking. And then, and then suddenly, like, an alarm starts ringing. And they're like, get up, get up, get up. Because the... This is this is in during the time of the Guangzhou riots. So yeah. this is th- that that place that they went is the same place where like a taxi driver mm-hmm. is. That that's that city. Yeah. Um, so he like gets ready and like drops his shit and like all the peppermint candies go everywhere. And yeah. like some of them get crushed. He's like, ah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, basically he gets put in a situation where he's like, you know, they're running and you know past some like train cars and he gets shot in the leg. Yeah, but he doesn't know. Yeah, it takes him a little like while. He, he's just he's like, like in shock, like, oh, and he's like, shoes. there's water. He's like crying, and he's like, I can't run. They're like, why? He's like, I have water in my shoe. And I'm like, why the fuck would that stop you from running? Me at work every single <laughs> There's day. water in my shoe. And then he takes off his shoe, and he's like, water. And there's just blood that like starts pouring out of his shoe. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, so, so this is when it shows like... Because throughout this whole movie, he's also had a limp. 
too. Yeah. And it's like, where the fuck did he get that limp? So I was assuming it was either here or the first, like the last flashback, but it's here. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so, so they're like, okay, you stay here. I'll go get help. And he's like laying on, he's like sitting down and um, he hears a, somebody coming and he hears a voice and there's and like a student. Yeah. There's a student coming. She's like, I'm just trying to get to see my grandma or like my mom's house. Yeah. And he's and like, like it's just across the tracks and, and he's not supposed to let her go. Yeah. He's like, he's like, go run, run. And he like, hears uh, other troops coming. He's like, run. So he starts shooting in the air. And then, like, in his delirious state where he's, like, can't do anything, he puts down the gun and he's, like, trying to aim around to, like, just keep shooting like he's doing that. And then he shoots her. Yeah. And then he goes Mm -hmm. over and holds her while she's, like, dead or dying. Yeah. And that's that, you know, this is the scene that really, like, one of the big scenes that really, like, elevates the film because it... It's so hard to, like, justify. It's, you know, nothing is justified in this movie. They're but not it, ever it makes, saying, it, like, he's a good person at all. But it's like. But it leaves you to wonder. It's like, where did this egg crack along the yeah, way? Because and, obviously he wasn't, like, a, a terrible guy at this moment. He was trying to help. And then he, like, in his delirious state of, like, you know, he'd lost a lot of blood. <laughs> the blood comes pouring out of his shoe. I'm like, that's a lot of fucking blood. Yeah. And like, and then he feels terrible, but that, that's pretty much triggers like him just losing faith in like himself and humanity pretty much. Yeah. But then we go back one more time and to the bridge where he died. The bridge where he dies with that same before. group that was, that was that yeah. same student group and they were all together and they were just, I don't know what they were doing. They were on like some class trip or something. Yeah. And he like, this is when he meets Sunim, I believe. Yeah. And they and talk. He's and pretending to take, like, pictures. He's like, oh, man, I wish I had a nice camera. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. And then they all sing that song from the beginning. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know why, but I just, I feel like I've dreamt of this place. Before. Yeah. He's like, I feel like I've been here. Implying that, like, it's like there's something. a big implication that, like, everything's predetermined even or, like, like he's destined to die here. Mm-hmm. Like it, it gives it gives the whole movie like a really eerie tone. Like yeah, you know, it gives it a more unsettling. Nat- I feel like I'd be more unsettled on a second watch because of those final words. Yeah, and it's like you know because you see him, you know, this young idealistic boy at this place where one day he'll commit suicide and after becoming then, like a monster. <laughs> then we just watch this whole journey as they travel backwards on a train. Just, yeah, like throughout every transition before. Uh, because this movie is pretty like is a vignette movie, I would say, like at least yeah. mostly um, the vignettes that center around one specific yeah. character. Uh, but every, every time they switch there, it shows the train moving backwards. And it for, the first one, I didn't realize it was backwards even, but the second one had a car going backwards as yeah. well. So I'm like, oh, it's backwards, mm. which I think was intentional. I think they wanted you to kind of be like, which way they go? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, this movie, like I said, I, I liked, I liked the pieces, but I'm like, I just can't stand this character. And, like, I, I still don't think he's a good character. But I, well, I don't think he's a nice character. But yeah. I think he's a pretty good character. There's a lot of, I think that also, specifically people in South Korea probably really like this movie a lot more because it's so ingrained in their history. Mm. Like, with the Gwangju Rise, like, everything... Every piece of him is something that's, like, happened 
two people in South Korea, like the Guangzhou riots, mandatory uh, military service, yeah, you know, corrupt police officers, destroying students pretty much, like beating the shit out of them, torturing them, and you know it's it's such a it's a movie that's it came out in two thousand like a lot of the movies about. Guangzhou and stuff like that weren't for until like 2008 or 9 or 10 like that's when they're like we need to start talking about this so having something that early like that was still fresh like that was from like 10 years before so all those wounds are really fresh and he's like this is what happened we need to talk about this (laughs) Cheng Dong takes no prisoners he's like no we need to talk about what the government did to us yeah ballsy I like it so, you know, I, I like the movie just for that fact, like how ballsy it is. Yeah. But also, I, ju- I just, because of that final scene, like, I was just suddenly like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, everything perfectly aligned, and I was just like... <laughs> yeah. It really puts the rest of the movie in perspective, yeah. for sure. And, it, like I said, I think the main character, even though he's not a good guy. I think he's acted super fucking well. The, yeah. the acting by the main characters. Main actors very strong. Um, the girl who plays Sunim also is pretty good, but she's not really, she doesn't really have any big dramatic moments. So. Yeah. But, I, I feel like I would, I really like this movie, but I feel like I might enjoy it even more on a second watch. Yeah, that's kind of my, my feelings yeah. on it as well. Truly the persona of Legion. I'm just going yeah, to charge would, my phone real quick. I would give this one a 7. Whoa, I'm giving this one an 8. Whoa. Little switcheroo. Yeah, no kidding. So that means another 7.5 for us. Ah. What? No. Oh, never mind. I found and now... Oasis. Oh, Okay, um... <laughs> Today's gonna be the day that they're gonna throw back to you. <laughs> you know, Oasis actually named themselves after this movie. No, they didn't. They did not. <laughs> Oasis was a rap before this movie. <laughs> you know, this movie was actually named after that band. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so this is... Probably his most intense movie. Do you agree with that? If not his most intense one movie overall, it's definitely probably got one of the most intense scenes. Maybe one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. As soon as, like, I saw that character, I was like, I know exactly where this is about to go. So, the main character of this movie is um, has a slight mental disability. And he's just arriving out of jail, the beginning of the movie. And the, it re, it's revealed that, like... No, actually, it's not. Uh, he's just walking around at the beginning of the movie. He's just kind of hanging out. He's looking at shirts. He's, he's just kind of... Asking people Asking people for, for cigarettes. You got a cigarette? Yeah. You got a light? Do you know if the bus is coming? He's just kind yeah. of asking people that, and he's looking for someone. It's obvious that he's like goes, he like shows up at a random apartment, and he's like knocking on the door, and he just like tries to surprise the person inside because he thinks he knows them, and it's not them. And he's like, "Uh, 
Whoops. Yeah. And he's like, do you know where these people are? Like, no fucking clue. <laughs> Get away. Yeah. So then he's just kind of wandering again. And then it cuts to a scene where he's in a restaurant. Or he's, like, been trying to call people on a payphone. But he has no money. And he's in a restaurant. And he's like, I thought my brother would answer. But he's like, why the fuck would you come here with no money? He's like, I thought my brother would answer. And then he gets arrested. Yeah. And the police uh, in the car are like... This is your... You've had three strikes already. And he... Um, what was the first one for? Was it assault? Did he, did he hit somebody? It may have been a hit or he either stole something or hit somebody. Yeah, because... Um, the I, second one was attempted rape. Yeah. And the third uh, one was uh, manslaughter. Manslaughter. He, he said that it was dawn and he couldn't see somebody in the road and he hit them. And then he drove off. Yeah. Which is very yeah. important later on. <laughs> but so he's in he's in jail, just kind of hanging out. You know, for the manslaughter. Yeah. I mean, he's in jail now at this point. Oh. He goes back to jail. He's already yeah. he's, he's sitting in the police station, at least. And then his younger brother shows up. Yeah. Um, he's like, what's up, man? And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, I tried to call you. He's like, did you change your hair? Because he has like a streak in his hair. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> And he's, he's like, this is what, it never says that he's like mentally disabled, but, but, but they, they refer, there's a lot, there's a lot of ableism in this movie. There's a lot of it. Maybe not necessarily just to, like, it's not just to him. The other character that's introduced soon has a lot more. Yeah. But, um, oof, this movie's hard to watch. It's rough. Yeah. Um... Well, once oh, once you get over the hump, that is the scene. It becomes a lot easier to watch after that, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's like I knew that scene was coming. Like right as soon as I saw that character, I'm like, I'm like, this is the fucked up director. <laughs> He's all of his movies have been fucking just absolutely gut wrenching so far. <laughs> Third time's a charm. So. I knew it was coming. So as soon as it passed, I was like, oh. Okay. And I was able to to handle the film. But up until that point, I was a mess. Because I I was like, I don't want to watch that scene. I'm like, I knew it was coming. And then when it happened, I was like, yep. There it is. But basically, so he starts going around to this house. Yeah, so he goes. He goes back to his house first. He goes back to his house first and sees all his family again. They're all like, oh, you're here. They, they're obviously not really happy to see him. I'm yeah, like, oh, that's they, rude. He, he insinuated earlier that they had, like, changed their phone number and stuff. Yeah, and so. moved without telling him and shit. <laughs> but he's, he's there. And they're like, oh, okay. And they, they, they get him a job as a delivery driver as well. Yeah. But he starts going to this random apartment. Um revealed very early on like pretty much that first scene that this is the apartment of the the family that uh whose dad got killed in that accident yeah and uh that dad that daughter is has severe cerebral palsy mm-hmm. um, and that th- this movie i when i first started watching i had to check if that actress had cerebral palsy because she's really 
really good. I was gonna check like after the movie, but then obviously scenes of yeah, the movie. Yeah, give it so away. I checked like right. I'm like, does she, I needed to check like as I was watching. It, that scene caught me super <laughs> off guard with the first time it happened because it's just like, whoop. I'm like, wait, was that what? And then the next scene, they made it much more like clear. I was like, oh, okay. That's, oh, that's, I, that's, I see what's going on. Because I didn't realize it was necessarily supposed to be her in that person. I thought it was the other person. Still. Oh, okay. Because they, like, cut to a shot where she comes up from, like, a different angle. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? Um, so he's, he's visiting this daughter, and he's, like, kind of fascinated with her. I think mostly just because he sees her being mistreated. Yeah. And he's mistreated. Like, he sees that connection. And he sees that, like, her brother and her his wife are, like, moving out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he sees them leave without her. And he's like, why? Where are you going? What? What are you doing? And the dude's basically like, fuck off. None of your business. So he's grown. Okay. So then he, uh, he tries to deliver flowers to her. Um, and he's knocking on the door. And then her neighbor shows up. And it's revealed that her neighbor's pretty much taking care of her for yeah. money. She'd been paid to be a t- caretaker. And he sees her take the key out from under, like, a flower pot. So now he's like, I can get in. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, but she brings in the flowers, and then he, he wanders off. And then a couple days later, he brings a, a fruit basket or something like that. It's like a basket full of food. And he leaves it for her. And then another time he comes into the house, he's like, hey... It's me. Do you remember me? Because he had seen her. When he dropped off the fruit the first time. Yeah. Oh, the fruit was the first thing. Yeah, the flower. Because he basically comes back like a couple hours after he initially gives her the flowers. Oh, okay. Because that's the thing he asks her. He's like, hey, do you like the flowers? Yeah. Um, And when he first seen her, he walked in while they were like moving and the door was just open. And he saw her. Like a mirror that she was shining in his eye. Yeah, and she was like just shining it up and stuff, and she saw like butterflies. Yeah, that was that was a cool scene. Like there was or there was a bird the first time. Oh, she saw like a bird, and it was like this weird CGI bird. Yeah, but at first I was like, is that a real bird? Like the first like two seconds, I'm like is that a real bird? And then it started like moving in weird ways. I'm like, that's not a real bird. Yeah, um, and then it's revealed that like she's just imagining it. All those scenes that that happened, I'm like that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you, what, why are you <sighs> hesitating and trying to figure out how you're going to talk about this yeah scene? Um, so he like is like hey I'm here to help I want I want to help you I feel bad we're similar now let me kiss your feet and rape you yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he he's just trying to like. She's freaking out beforehand. Yeah. And he's like, no, don't freak out. And then he like touches her and like he's obviously like it's shown that he does not have like uh, it's hard for him to like handle himself. Like I don't know if it's his mental. I never says like what disability he has or anything. It's just implied he has one. Yeah. Um, and he can't handle himself and nobody really supports him around him. Like there's a, there's this big thing where it's like, he's never gotten any help for it. He's been thrown in prison a couple of times, but 
he's never gotten rehabilitated for anything. He's never yeah. been sent to specialists or anything. They just kind of throw him in jail and leave him for a couple of years. And then he comes out. Yep. But he attempts to rape her. Uh, it doesn't happen because she passes out. Uh, and he, and then when that happens, he suddenly like realizes he's like what he's doing. He's like stops pretty much immediately as that happens. Um, and then he like wakes her up and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he leaves. Yeah. And that's the hardest scene in the movie. To uh, he leaves his brother's card. Yeah, he leaves it. He's like, listen, here's a card in case you ever need anything. I'm sorry. And then he leaves. Yeah. Um, that's the hardest scene in the movie. And there are some people that don't think it's needed. I would... I know it's hard, but I think that it uh, has a pretty big impact on the ending scenes. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely... Like, I don't know if any any scene in any movies needed, but... Yeah, like, it, it, it's definitely, like, leaving that scene out would leave out a major part like, of who the character is. Well, and it also le- it would leave out a major, like, theme that Lee Chang Dong's trying to convey with the final thing. Yeah. But yeah, so he does that, and then he he's like, it, it, he's fucking driving around on his delivery bike, but he sees somebody filming a scene, like for a movie where they're sitting in a car and they're being pulled by a trailer, and he drives up next to him. He's like, "Why are you filming?" Yeah, and then he crashes. Yeah, and they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And this is the part where like his uh, this is actually before the the sexual assault happens this is i think the scene before it yeah um it's trying to just show before it does the sexual assault it's trying to show like this guy's unhinged he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing he's just like if he sees something he has to like go do that Mm -hmm. um and then his sister-in-law who's like bandaging him up is like i really don't like you no one here yeah i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you oh it's like we all would have preferred if you stayed in jail. So, oh, and then there was before the sexual assault happens. There are two scenes that are also really hard to watch for me. He's spanking, where, or is that later? That might be. I think that's later. Yeah, that might be after the car and not the motorcycle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that. That's quite a bit later. Okay. Um. So the first thing that happens is it shows uh, her caretaker. There's like two of them and they both show up and they have sex in front of her pretty much. And she has to like close the door so she doesn't experience it. But they're like, I don't care. They know she's there and they pretty much make her watch. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? And then it shows... uh, her, her brother shows up and she's like, okay, I'm picking her up. And yeah. he takes her to this building designed for people with disabilities. So anyone with a disability can get like a really nice apartment for cheaper. And they're pretty much just using her to get that apartment. So they only have her that day to, uh, because the inspectors are coming around. And then as soon as they leave, they drop her back off at home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that scene in particular made me super fucking angry because I've known things to happen like that because I work with people with disabilities. So, yeah. you know, that I was like, ah! Upsetting. Um, yeah. And then 
And then the sexual assault happens. And then he starts trying to become better again. Because at this point, he had been trying to get better. That's why that sexual assault thing is so terrible. Because, like, it's obviously that he's trying to become a better person throughout it. He's trying to be good. He's trying to give her things. He's trying to, like, make up for, you know, people around her being evil. And then he fails. And he falls back down, like, way further than he was. Yeah. And then he tries to do it again. And, of course, at this point, we're questioning his uh, motivations, especially since... Uh, the way it's framed, he killed her father. Yeah, he's like, he. we all think it's because he feels bad about killing her father. Um, what happens after this? The, it's it's mostly... She, she calls him eventually. Yeah, she calls him eventually after just like she go, being yeah. lonely. And she, after he's, the whole she realizes it's, it's after the, the sex. The saddest part is like, he's... In the small conversation that happened, he was, like, the nicest to her than anyone has been before that happened. But he shows up, and he's like, I'm really sorry. Like, he he actually never says I'm sorry. But, like, it's it's there. Everything but. Yeah. Um, so then he starts just helping her out. He takes her places. He takes yep. her out occasionally. They like start driving, uh, just going around in her wheelchair. Yeah, they he just starts to, hanging out. They go to a restaurant where they experience some discrimination. Where the dude's like, "Oh yeah, we're not sorry." Yeah, this lady's like, "Sorry, we're closed." And he's like, "All these people just ordered." She's like, "Sorry, can't take anymore." He's like, "Huh?" He's like, goes over the TV and starts turning the channels and flipping her on and off. He's like, "Huh?" Yeah, and he leaves. But, and, and she does, she is able to talk. Like, a lot of the, the beginning of the movie, I didn't know if she was able to talk because her, nobody lets her. Like, they don't wait for her to speak. It also seems like, for the most part, she also doesn't want to. At least with the no people wants, there, because yeah. they're like, she, they don't respect me, so I'm just not going to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, they kind of, like, get closer to each yeah, other. And they're like... They have a friendship that starts, and um, then he takes her out on a date, yep. as in he takes somebody's car. Yep. Uh, and he they drive around, and because at this point he had been uh, he because he got fired from the pizza delivery. Yeah, he got fired like right after he got that, or maybe it's not pizza delivery, whatever. It's some kind about. of delivery. Um, and so he asked to like train and work under his brother who works fixing cars. Yeah. Therefore stole one of those cars one night. On yeah. Night. He takes the car, picks her up, steals money from a purse as well. Yeah. The, the, the sister-in-law who said she didn't yeah. like him. So he's like, I'm taking this money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he takes her out to the karaoke place, right? Uh, is this, maybe eventually, yeah. Uh, initially he takes her out to that restaurant where yeah. they get denied yeah. and he's like, oh, he goes there. well, and then eventually they wind up back at the garage where they yeah. order takeout. Yeah, they go to the garage. Which, they go to like the laundromat in one scene, I think, because I think that, or maybe they're not in the laundromat. Maybe I'm There's gonna... a lot of scenes that are all kind of mixed together. Yeah. There's like a scene where they're on the train, which is the first scene where we get the sequence where yeah. we see so they, her and yeah. her desired self. They, yeah. So what happens is let's, let's talk about the train scene first. Yeah. So they're, they're on the subway and she's like staring at this couple across the way that are like, uh, just flirting, flirting with each other. Yeah. And she's like hitting him lightly with like a little magazine. 
Yeah. She's like bonking him on the head. And she imagines herself like fully able-bodied and mm-hmm. like uh, teasing him and stuff and kissing him. And it's very sad. Yeah. I'm like, you <laughs> And then the, the scenes that we just described a little while ago happen where, you know, the yeah. date stuff. Then he takes her back to... Uh, there, when the he garage. calls to get takeout specifically, I think it was that scene. Uh, she, like, rams him with the wheelchair. because yeah, he calls to get takeout, and then the sister-in-law calls about uh, money. Oh, yeah. And then he's talking about that, and then she's, like, trying to get his attention, you know, by ramming into him. And then this is the scene where... I, I don't even think it was necessarily getting his... I think it was the same kind of... Like, she was trying to be like that girl. She was trying to, like, be playful uh, with him. So she bounced her wheelchair. He's, like, he's like, ow! <laughs> the fuck, dude? Uh, and then she has another one of her, like, little uh, daydreams where she gets up out of the wheelchair and starts, like, dancing around with Yeah. Him. And um, uh, he, they go to a karaoke bar at one point. And he's singing to her, and then, like... She can't... She doesn't sing at the karaoke bar. Yeah, but she's, like, she... It's it's nice because he, like, just... He puts the microphone up to her and then, like, doesn't expect anything of her. He's like, sing if you want, you know? Yeah. it's like, wow, what a nice guy. At at least at this point. I think this is also the scene where he describes, like, the dream he had where they danced. Yeah, I think so. And then that's why she has that little fantasy yeah. where she dances with them. Um, and then eventually, uh, she's also when they're driving around in the car, uh, there's a scene where they get stuck in traffic. So then he dances around with her. He, he picks her up and yeah, he's like dancing in the road. Anyway. And then he puts her in the car seat. So like, look, you're driving. And then he puts her back and they drive back. Uh, and eventually he does take them, take her back to her apartment. He puts her back. And then as, as he's walking out, uh, the neighbor's getting back. So he, like, hides in the shadows. And then as she walks in, he's like, oh, time to go. And walks yeah. out. And then he goes back to the garage. And his fucking brother's waiting for him with the customer coming to pick up the car. He's like, uh, I took it for a test drive just to make sure everything was working. They're like, on Sunday at, like, 9 p.m.? For several hours. But they, they give him the customer of his car. And then they go inside, and he's like, so I just didn't think anyone would pick it up on a Sunday. Yeah. And then the brother fucking grabs, like, an iron fucking pipe or some shit. Yeah, and, and starts fucking him. beating him in the ass and legs. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Actually, and it was also the back. He was just kind of fucking beating on him. Yeah. Just wailing on him with it. And he talks. Uh, there's this. There's this line where he fucking says, like, you need to act like a real human or some shit. I'm like, or a real yeah, person. Basically, like, basically he accuses him of like being like a man child where he's like, you know, life is a series of compromises. You know, none of us like living in society. It's just something, you know, you got to fucking deal with shit that you don't like sometimes and you need to grow up and be a part of it. Yeah. But kind of gives him that type of lecture. And then proceeds to whack his ass with a steel <coughs> pipe. Um, and then the next big scene that happens is like a family dinner. Yeah. For I think it's a birthday for yeah, it's mom's his, birthday. his mom. And she like she like says something like, Don't call me your mom. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. But he shows up with uh, 
What is her name? I don't remember either of the characters' names. I don't either. Um, I'm usually pretty good with names. I am not. But that's no surprise at this point. <laughs> we all know. Uh, so he shows up with his girlfriend, and they're the entire family's like, "Hey, what the fuck? This is a closed family event." He's like, "Oh no, she's she's like family to me. Don't worry." Zhang Du, and Zhang Du, yeah. Zhang uh, Du is him, and then I think it's Gong Ju for her. Gong Ju, yeah. Mm. So, he brings on Ju, and this is when it's revealed that, like, he's like, hey, this is the daughter of the person that got killed in the crash, or in the accident. And then the brother is like, hey, can we talk outside? And they talk, and they talk about how the the older brother was the one that killed, was in the accident. And uh, Jong Du was the one that was like, I will go to prison. I already have a record. And he, he pretty much implies, I'm, like, not worth it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like your brother is a society man. He's got family. You yeah. know, he's actually worth something. So, since you're so useless, and you can just take the fall for him. Yep. And then the entire family can hate you. Yep. So, yeah, basically he goes back inside, and then it all wraps up with like a family picture, and then he tries to get Guanju in there, but uh. They're like, no, absolutely not. She's not being in the family photo. And he's like, well, Gong fuck Ju. it. I... Oh, my bad. Guangzhou is the, the city oh, with all the riots. My bad. Oh, you good. Uh, but yeah, so he, he's like, well, if she's not going to be in the picture, then I'm not going to be in it. Yeah, and then they leave. Yeah. And then they go back and... It sleeps with her. Is this the scene? I'm pretty sure this is the scene. And he's like... Okay, I'm going to leave. And she's, and she's upset with him at first because they're, like, out in the parking lot. And oh, yeah. she's a, Because he was using her at this point. Like, he was using her to get back at him to go, hey, you're the one that sent me to prison. Like, Yeah. But so he, like, he's like, all right, fine, I'll leave you. And he leaves her for, like, 30 seconds. And he comes he's back. like, okay, let's go back. And then they go back. And, uh. Yeah. They, she asked him to fuck her pretty much and the, the like this is what I mean like this scene is a direct juxtaposition to like how they were in the sexual assault scene and like this one is like raw and powerful and like beautiful like the way they're moving like she, even like with her cerebral palsy she's like holding on to him she's and it's it's kind of emotionally devastating as well because it's like a lot of people with disabilities just don't get to experience a lot of things in life. And that's what this whole movie is, is they're experiencing these things because yeah. nobody else will help them. So they're helping themselves kind of thing. Um, and then uh, the fucking caretaker walks in on them having sex. Yeah. And calls the cops. Calls the cops and... Uh, Zhang Du gets arrested. Yeah. And a bunch of like the neighbor guys like come in and basically like make it so it's like you can't run away or anything. Yeah. And he's and, just like, okay. I'm she's she's too like and she's like in shock. Yeah, like she, she cannot can't. speak. And oh, when they file the police report, like the neighbor says everything for her. And yep. she doesn't get a chance to speak for herself, so they basically file charges on him. 
Yeah. And he gets arrested. He gets arrested. And, and no one hears her side of the story because they just think she's some disabled mute. Yeah. Um, <sighs> they're like, this is pretty open and shut. And I'm like, <laughs> scream. Um, uh, that scene makes me so mad. This scene makes me, oh, I'm going to fucking, but there's like an altercation in the police station and people are like all sorts of, everyone's like yeah, beating up each other, there. like arguing and fucking Zhang Du like runs out and he's like, I'm escaping. And he, he does escape for a bit. And oh yeah, we didn't talk about this, but this big thing earlier in the film, um, she was talking about how she's really scared at night. Because she stares oh, yeah. at this this picture, which says Oasis and is a is a portrait of, of an oasis um, yeah. in like the desert. It has this like really menacing shadow that appears at nighttime. That comes from this tree. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? Well, he, he at one point, um, there's another scene where she's imagining things. Is he's like, watch, I'm going to use my magic powers to make it disappear. And he's like, it's going, it's going. And he says, it's gone. It, like, disappears for her. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes like that. There's another scene where they actually, like, they're dancing together and it's, like, the oasis is around them. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, how he describes his dream, too. Yeah. Which leads into that sequence. Yeah. But um, he, he knows that he's going to prison for probably a long time because he's had three strikes. So he... Uh, he fucking grabs a saw and they, they find him and he's in the tree that's making the shadow and he's sawing off all the parts. And he's like, he's like screaming. He's like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And she starts playing this song that uh, was, I think it was the song that she was going to sing for karaoke. Um, and then she did sing a little later. Like he could hear her like whispering it and stuff. Yeah. And she starts playing the music really loud. And he he's like dancing to it as he saws away, and he saws all the things, and it just sh- slowly shows the the shadow going away, and then he gets arrested. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he goes to prison, and the movie ends with her. He writes a letter to her, which she writes a letter. The copy I watched so graciously left out huge chunks of his final letter from. Oh, it was just like yeah, he's talking, and it just. Suddenly he's talking and there's no subtitles and it shows up like right as like he wraps up the letter and it's like, oh, great. Love oh, that. Good. So I assume I it assume good it's it was a very good letter. Oh, great. It was just like, so I don't know what the resolution or anything. On he that was just one. saying like, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm keeping myself busy in prison there. He pretty much implies that they treat him better in prison than they ever did in real life. Mm. Um, and he's like, he's like, he pretty much is like, I love you. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I, I, and she's like, sw- she talks earlier how, about how she hates summer because of her mom, like how yeah. she can't move a lot and like how flies and mosquitoes and sweat bother her so much. And she like can't stop it. Um, so or this final scene while the letters reading is like, she's trying to get away these flies, which, you know, her brother or her caretaker should be doing. Yeah. But she's like trying to get them all in it. And then it just kind of fades out. He's like, I hate beans, bitch. Bye. Yeah. They talk about beans too. There's just a, there's a lot of like just dialogue between the, the two of them that like comes full circle in the movie. Yeah. But yeah. 
This movie devastated me. And this movie's like stayed with me since I watched it. Mm. Like every moment of every day I'm thinking about it. And maybe because I've worked with like a person with very debilitating autism. Yeah. You know, like, but it's just. <sighs> yeah. What'd you think? Oh, yeah. Overall, I liked it. I mean, very epic. I don't know if I. You... There's there's a lot of really like great scenes. Like I really do love the the scenes in which she's imagining like butterflies and stuff with her broken glass and stuff. Like yeah. there's a lot of really unique scenes that are like, hey, these people are people. Mm-hmm. And I, oof, Lee Chang Dong is just like fuck ableism. If you're ableist, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. And I support that notion. <laughs> Let's kill. I mean, I'm not as extreme. I mean, I don't like killing, but I, mean, I will kill you. All right. Oh. I would give that one a eight. I'm gonna give this one a ten. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the, like I said. It, it, it actually, like, like the number went up, too. Like, right when I finished it, I was at an 8. But, like, literally, like, 10 minutes later, I'm like, that was better than an 8 for me. Like, I like, couldn't leave my mind. And then, like, two days later, I'm like, this has not left my mind. <sighs> it also makes my heart beat really fast. I don't know why. Like, my heart beat is beating really fast. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. Oh. Huh. Okay. What's next? Secret oh. Sons. Uh, oh, God. Okay. It's these three. I think these three are the most gut-wrenching. Oasis, Secret Sunshine, Poetry. Yeah. Yeah? Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. You want to talk about Secret Sunshine? Sure. I'm going to go pee real quick. I'll be right back. Alright, so Secret Sunshine, we open up with this mother and son <coughs> moving to this conservative town in South Korea. And we basically find out that the husband slash father to this mother and child died recently before and that this is his hometown. Uh, before he died, he had wanted to move back, but... Clearly that didn't happen, so they're kind of like living that dream to honor him. Uh, but right away her car is broken down. So she has to call a mechanic, and that is Song Kane Ho's character, who this is the first time we see him. Uh, he looks like Markiplier in this movie. Uh... And yeah, he's fixing up her car, and immediately we see that he's got kind of like a thing for her. You know, he's like, oh, you guys are just moving here? Oh. Huh. And then uh, we cut to a scene where he's like BSing around some of his coworkers, and he makes kind of a sexual comment about wanting to 
look and take a peek under the skirt of one of his co-workers, but he says it, like, right in front what? of... Song Kang-ho? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He says it right. Like, they're all jokingly, like, the tone. She never... This lady, like, when he first said that, I was, like, a little uncomfortable. But this lady never seems, like, uncomfortable with it. Like, she's just kind of joking around with him. Yeah. I mean, if it's her brand of humor, yeah. there's more power to her, I guess. That's why me, I'm always like, Thomas, let me see your anal cavity. Ah. Uh. No. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, he, like, looks over and he sees that her and her son are there. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh! Hey! He offers the kid gum. Because, uh, in the previous scene, the kid was like, I want gum. I want gum! You got gum, mister? He's like, why do you want gum? No, I don't have gum. So... Yeah, so it's kind of like just these opening scenes are her kind of getting used to this town. Uh, there's like a pharmacist that is like right next door to her who's trying to get her to convert to Christianity. Um, the true villain of the movie. <laughs> yeah, because she, she's like, hey, you know, I heard that your husband died recently. You know what you could use? God. Uh... There's like a point where she's straight up, it's it's later in the film when she says this, but there's a point where she's like, you know, all this stuff, you know, all these medicines won't really help you. They're it's like, they can God's... heal your body, but the thing that you need healing from is your heart. And only God can provide that. And it's like, oh, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> my eyes were rolling so far into the back of my head during these scenes. <laughs> but, yeah, so... She gets, she's like, oh, well, I can't see my son currently, so I'm going to go see in that. And we see that, like, her and her son have this little game that they play where he pretends to be, like, kidnapped. Or he's just hiding, pretty much. Yeah, he hides. And And she's, like, she's, like, outside pretending to cry. She's like, where are you? And he starts coming out, and she's like, gotcha! Yeah. Uh, And he's going to school. Yeah. And yeah, we, we, uh, there's like this, that's for, I felt like there is more, spoiler, time with the sun in this movie than there actually was. There's only 30 minutes. Yeah, because he's, like, I remember, like, the point in which, like, we find out he disappeared. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm, like, halfway through this movie. And I, like, clicked it. I'm like, oh, man, I've got a lot of this movie left. That's, that's what's so, I guess, brutal about this movie is it it's one of the movies that highlights how well people stay with us like people uh we never start stop being affected by people even if they die spoiler he's about to die yeah um so we meet this teacher guy who like drives them home drives the kids home and stuff and uh he's got like a yeah he has a daughter and he has like he, like, pulls her into the van as soon as he sees her. Yeah, she's kind of like a delinquent, you know. He's yeah. like, oh, she never stays in school. She's a bad egg, you know, that kind of relationship. But uh, then she, she's talking about how she's uh, has a bunch of money and she's going to buy some property. Yep. Um, and because of this, one day she goes out with a bunch of the girls in town. She's trying to, like, impress them, and she's having fun. They do karaoke together. Yep. And then uh, she gets home, and she cannot find her son. 
and she gets a call that somebody has him. Yep. And they're like, if you tell anyone, I'll kill him. But she still starts running out into the road, and she's, like, crying. And she runs up to Song Kang Ho's house. And we see him doing karaoke. And so she doesn't go in. Yeah, she's like, oh, I can't disturb that. (laughs) My son's missing, but no, I can't. I think she just doesn't want to tell anything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that that scene just more just brings her back to reality the situation like she was in shock before and then she she gets all the money she has and she brings it to the spot they tell her to bring and and she, she does gets a call and, and she she's like listen that's all the money i have i was and she she confesses that she was lying about buying property like she's poor like she doesn't have money she spent all the life insurance moving her son here yeah. And, like, starting the piano school that she has. So they're like, all right, we'll get in contact with you. And she's like, when? And they just hang up. Yeah. And then... And then a couple couple guys come and knock on her door. Like, like that same day. <laughs> like, yeah. And yep. they take her, they drive her, and... The kid's dead. The kid's dead. Uh, yeah, so she's obviously pretty... Pretty fucking broken up about that. Yeah. We get the scene where she, like, goes down and his body's found next to, like, a... Kind of like a swampy... Kind yeah, of it was it was pretty much like a water reservoir that, like... It was dumped there because they didn't think it would be found because that water's kept at the same, like, level. And they, they even said that. They said that they found it because they were, like, cleaning a certain part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just kind of... And broken up about that. Yeah, they catch the guy who did it right away. Like, pretty much right away, because, like, it might have been the next day, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but she sees uh, the daughter, like, looking in on the piano shop and, like, crying. And so she's like, oh, he did it. <laughs> yeah. So she calls the police, and she's like, I think this guy did it. And then it cuts to them at the police station, and Song Kang Ho's with her, hanging out, and the guy is arrested and comes in and he like looks at her and Song King Ho suddenly like, are you looking at her? Yeah. And he like hits him in the head. Yeah, it goes up, does a little slap slap. Um, and then a couple other things I want to bring up up until this point because they're about to become relevant. Um, Song King Ho's a fucking simp in this movie. Is that what? A simp. I <laughs> I st- I I've heard that term He's just like, throughout like these. Please, ma'am, give me the pussy. Oh, okay. Is that? What I mean, he kind of is. I I heard the term simp like through these movies, but I had no idea what it meant. I was like, oh, okay. Um. No, he's just he's just very uh. He's kind of a fuckboy in this movie. Yeah. Uh. I actually wasn't that big. Of a- a fan of his character in this movie. I mean, obviously, I love Song um, but his character is kind of like, meh. I have a lot to say about his character, but I want to wait until that. Uh, but, yeah, so she gets... Before... Before the kid goes missing, a couple things I want to bring up because they're going to become contextually important eventually. Um, her brother had come to visit in one scene and basically find out that she's trying to, like cut ties with her family in uh, sale. Uh, it's soul. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that. 
I'm bad at names. You're good. Uh, I like to pronounce them how they look. Seoul! But, uh, and then we also find out that her and her son have this great talent at pretending to be asleep when they miss uh, the husband slash father. Uh, the kid, like, snores because the dad used to snore. And she says, like, oh, he yeah. snores when he misses her dad. Yeah, he, like, he's he's not even sleeping at that point. He's just sitting there snoring because he misses her. Yeah. And we get a couple scenes where we see her doing, like, the fake sleep. Yeah, uh, that's that first scene after. I don't even remember if he's dead yet, like, or if she knows he's dead yet. But he's she's just laying on the I, I think it's the scene. That's like the scene where the cops come. Oh yeah, she's, yeah. she's laying she's on the couch, couch crying and snoring. Yeah, that scene's fucking brutal. Uh especially on a rewatch. Like, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh no, oh no. Um, but yeah. So basically, right after she has to go and like file, I. The death certificate before the funeral, right? Or is it vice versa? I think it's the funeral before the death certificate. I think so. Yeah. So basically, like, immediately it's the funeral. And her mother, or maybe it was the dad's mother. I can't. Yeah, I think it was her mother-in-law, pretty much. Yeah. Starts screaming at her because she's not crying. She's just kind of raw in emotion. Like, she's not crying. And the grandmother, like, screams at her. And Song Kang-ho tries to, like, help. He's like, you, you surely realize that the mother is the one that hurts the most in this situation. You can't just do that to her. And the whole family, like, <laughs> they all jump on him. He's like, he's just kind of like, okay, never mind. <laughs> and he goes over and she's basically like, you know, you slapped the murderer. And I wanted to do that, but I didn't. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um... So, she, uh, later she has to go, like, file the death certificate, and Song Kane-ho tries to join her, and she's basically like, just fucking leave me alone. Stop. You're like a fucking puppy. Just leave. God. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're both going to town, like, the city. Oh, why can't we Yeah, let's just go together, man. (laughs) Let's go. And she has to, like, push him out of the cab. And it's like, oof. Uh, so she goes, and then she, like, breaks down. Because uh, she doesn't know her ID number off the top of her head. And she starts getting kind of like, what? You don't know your ID number? What the fuck? And she drops her purse. and Somebody who tries to help her, she's like, I got I got And he's, like, still helping her. She, like, starts screaming. Yeah, and the entire place looks at her song, can't help walks in at that point. Uh, and then, she, yeah, she leaves, presumably after finishing that, I assume. Mm-hmm. But uh, song, can't help, kind of follows her out. And uh, what happens here? Oh, oh fuck. This is like... So this is the scene where they go to church, I think. Well, I know she goes to the pharmacy. Yeah, she goes to the pharmacy and she's like, hey, we're having a little thing for your son. You should come. So she does. And then she just starts just wailing. And then... Yeah, she's like screaming and crying. Then the father Like pretty much all of the 
the emotion that's been built up because she's just been raw and like just like little bits of crying just comes out at this moment and she like feels she feels good because she's like let go so then she like starts going to church and she like joins this religious group and she's there's a there's like 20 minutes where it seems like she's like becoming happier and i was like hey look at her no i I knew exactly what they were building up to because i know religion does this it's like um because you know she uses it as a crutch but instead of as her soul crutch yeah but um you know because obviously when you go through such traumatic experiences losing a kid the idea that they they're in heaven you know yeah is a very enticing offer like exactly. hey, they're okay and it's like you you never truly accept they're they're dead they're there's gone a, there's because a scene you, you have that pocket in your mind where you're like i'm gonna see them in heaven and it'll be cool yeah. so but eventually, there's, also, there's also that scene in the pharmacy where she's like if god is real and his his love is all all encompassing yeah why is my scene. son dead yeah and she's like Oh, well, well you, God's everywhere. God's everywhere. You know, you might just see s- sunlight over there, but there's plenty of things that you don't see. And I think that I, I really like the title Secret Sunshine because I feel like it's one of those like multi-purpose titles mm-hmm. and can really fit into a lot of different crevices. Yeah, Secret movie. Sunshine might be my favorite title of all of his. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like most of Bur- his Burning titles. was a pretty good title, too. But that yeah. one's pretty... A lot but I mean, Burning's, Burning's based on a short story that was called Barn Burning. So oh, like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that, but... Uh, I mean, I do like... I think Oasis is a pretty good title as well. Yeah. For, yeah. I, I, I actually think that most of them are pretty great titles. Yeah, I think the first two are probably the two that have like the weaker titles. Yeah. that it's like, mm, was this was like this they just, really they, the they point just of kind of thing? tie into like one part of the movie? Yeah, while everyone else like ties into every part of the I, film. I would have called Peppermint Candy a train moving backwards. <laughs> I would have called it Man in Suit Be Sad Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh I feel like the title would have been a more, or not the title, the camera would have been like a more suitable, like, thin. Peppermint title. camera. Peppermint camera, yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, she's using religion as a crutch. Um, like, she seems kind of happy. She's smiling and stuff, but it's kind of obvious as well that, like, yeah, and there's she, it's kind of a facade as well. She starts going to, like, church groups, and, yeah, she's happy at first, but she slowly kind of starts unraveling as... And then she has this idea that she's like, okay, I need to go forgive this man, this murderer. Yeah. Oof. And... (laughs) This fucking scene. Everyone's like, are you... Are Fuck. Like, yeah, that's God's word, but, geez, none of us take it that seriously. Yeah, you sure about that one? I mean, you're not, it's the Bible, you know, it's just kind of more of a metaphor, not literal, or something like that, I don't know. However, they justify avoiding things that it specifically says, well, cherry-picking what they like. Uh, But yeah, so she goes, her, San Kano, and then another couple from the church go. Uh, And she's like... It's just her and Son Kano that go in and, like, talk to him, though. And she basically explains, she's like, look, I've come here to forgive you. 
I've accepted God into my life and it's great. And he's like, oh, that's great because I've accepted God into my life. And he's he's forgiven me. And she's like. He's fucking what? He's like, yeah, I, I'm, I don't. I'm at peace. Uh, my, the God I'm completely me. absolved of all my former sins. She's like, you are. And she leaves. And then she like, she, you know, basically like everyone else is like, oh, dude, what the f- God works. Wonder yeah, of wonder, miracle of miracles. Like, wow, look at him. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. God took a murderer by the hand. <laughs> wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles. That kid's dead <laughs> in the ground. Um, but so she basically is. She kind of starts walking away from the car. The, the I I really like this scene. It's a nice visual symbol because she. When she goes to see the guy in prison, she, like, has some flowers that she picked from the side of the road. And she's like, God, meet these flowers. God, it's beautiful. And then she throws them on the ground. Yeah. And then passes out. Uh-huh. And then they go to the... Are they in the hospital? Yeah, they're in a hospital. Son Kenhouse smells her hair while he thinks she's asleep. She's not one of those fake sleeps that she does. Yeah. Uh, she basically is like, fuck off. I want to be alone. But all the church people keep coming. So she pretends to be asleep. And that's when all that happens. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, there's some more, like... There's, like, a Bible study at her house. And she just kind of basically fully just unloads. She's like... How can... Yeah, she, she pretty much just says... You know, how can I forgive him? You know, he's already been forgiven. I never got to do that. Yeah. She like, this actress is very good. Yeah. Um, I, I tweeted something. There's, there's a new song. Kang Ho just got cast in a new movie. Um, it's by this director that I, I need to watch cause he's directed some other song Kang Ho movies, but he's in it with this lady again. And this guy named, uh, Lee Byung Ho, I think it's, um, it's the... Do you remember The Bad from The Good, The Bad, The Weird? Yeah. It's that guy. Okay. Who's who's also a very strong actor. He's an, he's the main character in I Saw the Devil. Okay. Um, so I'm very excited for that movie. Huh. But yeah, she's very... this. I think this is the only movie that I've seen her in. Um, but she's, she's really good in this movie. Yeah, no, she did great in this movie. But yeah, she's like screaming. She's like, how can I forgive him if God's already fucking done Yeah. So she basically screams and then she tells everyone to get out and then she finds an earthworm on like a plate or something and screams and then Song Kang Ho laughs at her and then she cries some more. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just like, oh, don't worry, it's just an earthworm. Like, and he's like, ha ha. And then she's like, just, te- she's like sobbing like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. So uh, pretty pretty much after this is when she, uh, right no, she does. She does the. She goes to that festival. Oh yeah, she yeah. So she my just starts. Scene. She starts doing stuff. Oh, well, she doesn't. She go. Doesn't she has, have sex with that guy first? Uh, I then, yeah. It's, it's I think that's after the festival. festival. Okay, so she goes, she goes to, to this festival. It's like this big church she goes festival. To this, well, before it's like a festival, seminar. She goes to a CD store where she steals a CD and kind of gets caught. Yeah, she goes to a CD store. She gets caught. She's like in the corner. But I think she she had multiple CDs because she still has one. So yeah. Um, but she goes to 
this this like giant church seminar pretty much where this like preacher's out in the middle of like a clearing on yeah. stage talking about God or whatever and and she goes into like the booth with all the sound equipment and starts playing the CD like super loud where it's just like lies yeah love is a lie you basically just and then she just walks out and it's it's funny because you see like all these people and like this dude's like just trying to he's like trying to talk over and there's one guy that's just like jamming he's like yeah and you can, it's, it's funny because like, you can tell like, it's going through all of their minds in this scene where they're all thinking like, oh, is it a lie? Or are we just, yeah, are you lot? What? <laughs> like, are we just living by a lie? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you see like the doubt on some of the faces. And then as she's walking away, you just see like five guys run to the sound booth. And then quickly like turns off before she fully walks away. But and then this, uh, the, the lady, the, the lady that works at the pharmacy, this fucking evil woman. Yeah, her husband's um, been like, kind of nice to yeah like he's he's just kind of he's like passive which you know could be considered just as bad as like he's enabling her his wife to do these things but uh she she pretty much seduces them and has sex with them i'm pretty sure to like try to destroy their marriage yeah (laughs) but she's like i'm gonna get back at them so she fucks them yeah, well, um, she, she... Well, she tries to, but then he can't yeah. get his little wee-wee up. He's like, God's watching us, I can't. So she's like, ah, fuck you. So she tries to go fuck Song Kane out, but then but he kind of... He's like... He's like, really? Now of all yeah, time? Yeah, because she, he, had, he had asked her to go out with him, and that was that day, and she blew him off to go fuck that guy. Yeah. So he'd been waiting, and he's like, oh, and he started, he's like, oh, I do everything for you, and he's like throwing things. And yeah, he has a big... Yeah tantrum and then she freaks he, out he like throws two things and then she's like crying in the corner he's like ah I'm sorry yeah and then she goes home and she's cutting some apples and then she cuts her wrists yep and then she goes and out then, and then she realizes what she's done and she's like I don't want to die yet so she, so she runs out and she's screaming on the road she's like someone help me and then it cuts to her in the hospital yeah probably like probably a couple months later yeah, because she suicide watch. She'd probably be there for a while. Yeah. Um. And Song Kang Ho's picking her up, or she, first he picks up her brother, and he, they're like driving. And he's like, "Hey, how are you? Oh yeah, I still believe in God. You know." I he's do. like, "I still go to church." He's like, I, "It's just kind of a habit. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me feel kind of sad not going." And he's like at peace uh, when I do go. Yeah. So they go and they pick her up, and then he's like, uh, "How about we go?" I made, like, dinner reservations. We can go do that. And she's like, well, I want to get my hair done first. So he's like, okay. So, so he, he takes, stops. He takes her to a random salon. Like, he doesn't. Like, he just yeah. takes her to one. And then she, uh, coincidentally enough, the daughter of the killer. Uh, is the hairdresser. And yeah. she, like, starts kind of, she's like. There's also a scene. We forgot yeah, to bring I'll, this up. There's uh, a scene pretty early on after the death where she's driving and she sees the daughter being, like, beaten up by Yeah, it's after, like, the reveal of, like, who the killer was, but yeah. she, yeah, the daughter's being beaten up, and they, like, see each other, and she kind of drives off, and she almost hits somebody else. Yeah, and then they yell at her. And there's, like, a moment where you think she's gonna help this girl. Yeah. But she doesn't, because she's pissed and sad. <laughs> and then the, the, like, the haircut's going on, and you think, like, you know, she's gonna have, like, some sort of, like, 
they're gonna talk and everything will be fine. Yeah, but because it's like Li Chang Dong's just like that's not how life works. Yeah, they're not fine. And I I feel bad for like the daughter because it's not like yeah. she specifically did it. I mean, she probably could have been a bit more honest, but being in that environment with that guy yeah, he was I'm probably sure. being a, she was probably I, being abused the way he like showed yeah, like probably grabbed her and shit like you know threatened into not confessing you know kind of deal you know afraid of what would happen to her you know it's the best rationalization yeah. I can come up with it but uh yeah so she kind of just like storms out halfway through the haircut and she's like why the fuck did you bring me to this Salon of all places. I, I, I don't know. I just took you to a salon. And she's like, she looks up at the sky. Me. She's like, oh, you fucking son of a bitch. He's like, are you watching? What a fucking weird coincidence. And so she like she goes like, and she bumps into like one of her old. Well, it's a, at the very beginning of the movie, she told this lady who was wearing, uh, had a clothing store. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, that's what it was. Like, hey, you should paint this brighter colors and move this around because the, the sunshine isn't shining yeah. through. Um, and the the woman kind of makes fun of her for it later on, but, go, but you know, at the like, end of this movie, like, th- this is practically, and she does. And, like, it's like, hey, there's this this place is radiant now. Like, it's... it's doing pretty, better business, yeah. like you said. The sun is shining through and so It's like, eh, 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 it's like the... It's oh. like, see, sunshine. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And then she goes home, and she cuts her own hair. Yep. She starts cutting her own hair. Song Kang-ho holds the mirror for her. Song it. Kang-ho shows up. He's like, hey, let me hold the mirror. And that's it. That's it. That's the movie. Yeah, it, like, pans over. We see her hair blowing in the wind. Blowing in the wind. And we, it zooms in. Like, the last shot is just, like, the sun blaring in a certain spot. Yeah. That's, yeah. Secret sunshine. So you said you didn't like Song Kang Ho, or you thought it was kind of man this movie, like like the the character. Itself. Yeah, I I agree that the like, character itself is met, but I I really really like the point of the character because really I feel like he's kind of an antagonist to her in, in a sense oh, yeah. because he's like he's too nice. He's an enabler, like he's 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 there to support her, but only to a certain extent when her family starts pressuring him he like immediately stops, you know, like he's there and he's trying to support, but he cannot do it himself. And like, there's so much in this movie where he, he like half-ass supports everything. He half-ass supports everything. It's like when she becomes a Christian, he becomes a Christian too. But when she leaves Christianity, he sticks around. Uh, He's the one who initially takes like the hits on the serial killer. But when he accepts God into his heart, he's like, Hey, you know, Good for him, he did Yeah, it. God, what a wonder maker, you know? Um, and but yeah. even, even like, Christianity, it, it doesn't even feel like he really, like, believes in God. He's just like, it's just kind of a nice habit. And it's like... Which it, is fine to have, but, you know, you're not really supporting her if you're doing yeah. that. And the whole movie, you know, he's he's trying to appeal to her, and she knocks him over and knocks him over and knocks him over, just keeps putting him down. And it gets to the point, to that date where it's like... She's finally like, you want to fuck me, right? And he he just doesn't take it. He's like, no. And she's like, well, what the fuck? Like, and then he freaks out yeah. and weeds the whole ordeal. So it's like, he's like got his, 
half his arm in there, but he's not willing to go like beyond his elbows. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know, like it's it's hard to watch him because you get angry. But I think he's like a really good part of the movie. Yeah, at least personally. Um, but, and I I like how like the, the antagonist of the movie isn't even really the killer. It's a lot of the time it's just herself. Like the whole movie is about her refusing to like trans like transform pretty much or change and she keeps using other things as crutches like she uses song kang ho just as much as he uses her mm. it's like this toxic affair going on yeah and she uses christianity uh, and that that's why like i personally really like the last scene like of her just cutting her own hair because it feels like it's, yeah, the, for the very way. first time she's like doing something for herself like she's moving on by herself like even with song kang ho at that point she's not using him as a crutch he he's there to support he's there like helping but she doesn't need him anymore yeah so i i I really like the last scene (laughs) and i think this movie's like really really better on a second watch like every scene every scene i'm like yes 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 yes. and i think the acting's really fucking good like song kang ho's really good Especially in that little freak out scene he did. I'm like, yeah, I want to see him freak out more. Yeah. It's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I do think I like this movie because it feels so genuine to, to Lee Chang Dong's experience. Like, because this, this city of like, cause it's a right wing, yeah. it's a right wing city and she can't escape any of it either. She can't escape that Christianity. It's ingrained in like everything they're doing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she can't escape Song Kang Ho because he's like, there's nobody in the town. Like he's he's there always. Yeah. So yeah, I really like that idea that like she can't escape what she like. She brought her son there, mm-hmm. and he died because of that. Yeah. And yeah. Brutal movie. It is. But I'm a huge fucking fan of this one. Yeah, I liked it. So what'd you get? Nine. What did I get? Nine? Eight? Ten? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I gave it a nine on my first watch, um, but I, I do think it's better on a second watch, mm. which I was surprised by. I, I think all of these movies would be a better on a second watch, or at least, I at the very least, the same. I'd agree. Okay. Two more movies. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's kick it into overdrive, because it's getting kind of late. Yeah, it is. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about poetry, which is the first movie I watched in this set is, uh, situation going on. And that, that fucking, it was brutal. This movie. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is about an old lady who um, is a nice old lady. And she works as a part-time maid yes. for this, this old guy who, um, he might have suffered a stroke. I'm not sure what's. Yeah, he, he can't move very well. Yeah. Um, and he can't talk very well either because of the jaw movements. Um, but she works for him part-time, but mostly she gets along with, like, Social Security. Um, but she's very poor. And she lives with her grandson because her her daughter had divorced her husband and, like, moved out. Mm-hmm. And she lives, like, a few towns over in a city or something. I'm not familiar with all the South Korean cities, so yeah. I can't know for sure. Um, but her grandson's a fucking asshole to her all the time. 
Like she tries so hard to for him. And he's just the fucking worst. Yeah. Little shit. And he gets he gets very, very worse. Yes. Much worse, I would say. Never gets uh, better. Never gets better. Maybe the very last scene he's a little bit better, but that's about it. Maybe. Oh. So she she goes the one of the first scenes is she goes to the doctor and she's like, Hey, um I'm forgetting things. She's there for an unrelated note. I think she has, like, a cough. And they're like, well, the cough's fine, but I'm worried about the the forgetting yeah. things. So you should probably go to, like, Seoul or, like, a big city and get a, one of the tests done. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And she's a little worried, but she's she's she has a really nice jovial nature about her. Like, she's old, she's elderly, she has a decent amount of wisdom, but at the same time, she she's kind of hip. She's kind of hopping. Yeah. Um, so then she, she's just kind of working and doing things and trying to do her best. She eventually enrolls in a poetry she class. enrolls in a poetry class because she's like, I want to learn things in my old age. And especially because I'm, might lose my memory kind of thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's forgetting things. Um, so she enrolls in the class and she's like, I don't know how to write poetry to the teacher. He's like, well, everyone can write poetry. It's just about finding the will to kind of thing. Mm. Um, you go, I'm about to sneeze. Okay. So, yeah, we find out around this time that um, one of her grandson's classmates recently committed suicide. Yeah. Well, actually, the very opening shot is this this girl in the water. Yeah. It shows the dead body, but we have no idea where this is. We don't know. Like, is this the end of the movie? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Um. So we see, like, uh, we pass by, and it's like the mother grieving. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Uh. I don't remember everything like chronological. Um, so at this point, it's pr- it's pretty close to this point. She's been she's starts going to these poetry classes. She's trying to learn what makes life beautiful and shit. Um, when yeah, she one of the she sees that her grandson's been hanging around these this like group a lot, and they keep like having these private conversations. And one day, one of the dads shows up and is like, "Hey, we need to talk." And she's like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> she yeah. gets in the car and they drive to the spot. Um, where all six of the, well, five of the dads and her meet up and suddenly, like, this is, like, pretty early on in the movie and it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. So basically... <laughs> Which I had called it. I had called it, like, right before. I'm like, is this going to be one of those fucking... I had said yeah. that to... I watched this with my friend Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Um, and I'm like, Jennifer, do you think this happens? You're like, I fucking hope not. And it happens. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Um, so it turns out that this girl that had committed suicide had kept a diary and, uh, she had said that like for months and months and months, these six boys had been like sexually assaulting her and raping her. And it started off with just one, but then gradually they all joined in. They all joined in. Or I think it started with two actually. It sounded uh, like it started with one and then it like switched on to like two pretty quickly. Oh, okay. It might have stayed those two for a little while, but then gradually the rest but, came in. Because yeah, they, so. they said one of the boys' names and that it specifically started with him. So immediately the dads are like, and we got to protect our sons. Like immediately. 
And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah, the so, whole time I was like, I was like, come on, grandma, just let your grandson burn. So they, they're like, if we give 30 million won to the, um, the mother, then she won't go to the police. Or like that, that's like, that's like a standard amount. Do you know how much that is? A lot by the sound of it. Maybe. No, no, not at all. Oh, it's like 25 grand. Oh. For your daughter's death, fuck. So that, or, or maybe it was, four, I think it was thirty grand in U.S. dollars. Um, no, it was, it was only twenty grand. It was twenty grand. Ah! Oh damn! So what makes me so angry is like, per person that would be like four grand, and all the dads have it, but they're all waiting for the entire movie. They're waiting for the grandma to get it. I'm like, why the fuck would you all just not pitch in if you really need this done? And you're all successful. Yeah, and it's like, like it's not like she wouldn't pay, and then the mother would be like, "All right, it was just her grandson that did it." It's, it would be, you know, sink or swim for all of them, you know. But she starts, uh, she starts trying to get money, but she can't really do anything. Yeah. She's like forgetting things. Uh, at her maid job, the guy tries to, uh, he takes Viagra and tries to have sex with her. So she quits. Yeah. She's like, fuck you, I'm leaving. <laughs> um, and then she's trying to get money. She, she, at one point, she goes to do karaoke. Um, because one of the dads owns a karaoke place. And she's like, can I borrow the money? I'll, I'll work here if I have to. He's like, I'm not going to give you a job here. And no, you can't borrow money from me. I'm like, like, fuck you, asshole. It's like you guys this lady, keep, they it's like every time they see her, they're like, Do you have the money? She's like, No, I have no way to get the money. Can you guys help me? And they're like, No, but you better get that money. And then the next time it's like, You still don't have the fucking money? It's like, yeah, she's an old lady. Yeah. She's an old lady who and it's real revealed probably close to this time she has dementia. Or she yeah. has very early dementia. Um and there's no stopping it. Uh and all this time, she's still going to those poetry classes, and she's trying to learn. She goes to uh, some poetry, like, nights as well, yeah. where this one guy keeps doing poetry. He does, like, two-word poems, and then he tells jokes for, like, two minutes. Yeah. And it turns out he's, like, a police officer. And she, she at one point ridicules him. She's like, that's not – he's not respecting poetry. Yeah, he's too dirty. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Grandma. Yeah. So, uh, so, basically all the other dads set her up to make it so she goes and talks to the mom. Well, first she's talking to a reporter and she lets it slip oh, that yeah. okay. something is going on with the mom or yeah, something like that. She doesn't give away too much. And she details. says that to the dads and they're pissed at her. So they're like, okay, you need to go talk to the mom because she's like expecting money. So she like goes to talk to the mother but then can't do it. She meets the mother and she's just, she can't say it to her face that like my, my grandson did this and I want to pay you off. So you don't have to get justice done kind of thing. Because the thing is like this woman's very poor. So it's like, it's not even like if she was offered money, I feel like it's not even possible for her to refuse. Like she needs money. Yeah. <sighs> she probably wouldn't even be able to like, get legal action done at this point yeah exactly um 
So she doesn't, she says that she wasn't there, but the dads uh, have a meeting with her anyway. And they're like, hey, we're going to have the money soon. And she's like, <laughs> so she's like, okay, I really got to get this money. So she goes to her old boss, the the man with yeah. the stroke or whatever, who, who can't move very well. Sleeps and she sleeps with them. Um, and and she, then she blackmails him. Yeah. She's like, hey. <laughs> she shows up on his birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, hey, I just got to talk to your dad real quick. And, the money and then me. she's like, oh, you owe her, her money, dad? She's like, <laughs> blackmailing me? She's like, yep. She's like, don't judge me. She's like, call it what you want, but I need the money. Yep. Don't ask. So he gives her the money. She pays it off. And then the dad's like, hey, let's celebrate. And she's basically like, no, fuck her up. I'm going. Yeah. She's like, I'm going home. But she's she's still going to the poetry classes. And she's trying. This whole time, she's been trying to get her grandson to feel bad about it. Yeah. Like, she's or like, do you like, want me to say, like, do you want to say anything to me? And she puts up the picture mm-hmm. of, like, the memorial picture of the girl. Um, she had even gone to a memorial service at the church. And it felt like the there were three girls there. And I'm pretty sure they knew, like, at least who she was. Um, yeah. Because they're, like, staring at her and whispering. And then she leaves. And that's when she takes the picture. Yeah. The, um, one, the one in the middle of that group uh, looked a lot like... The girl who committed suicide. Yeah, it wasn't, but like her haircut and yeah, like, looked like it. And I wonder if that was meant to be like, uh, like she was seeing it, maybe like yeah. the only two that were there, but she couldn't escape the vision of her kind of thing. I could see that. Um, but she, her grandson, still feels no, like no remorse and is an asshole about it. Um, yeah, but and then the dads pay it off, and they're like. Hey, we're pretty much all good. And she's like, no more trouble. And she's like, unless the police get involved, then we're, we're good. So she, she goes to her grandson and is like, Hey, you have to go take a shower when we get home and I'm going to, you need to clip your nails and your haircut. You got a haircut recently, so you won't be needing one of those. And it's like, hmm. and he's like, what, what's for? And she's like, Oh, your mom's coming tomorrow. But really, she had called the police. <laughs> um, specifically, she was talking about how she knew, like, the the only person... They, they had talked about how there were police that knew about this, but they were crooked. So, it was fine. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to do my job. Yeah. But the, the good cop in the movie is that one that was at the poetry night. Mm-hmm. Um, and they show up, and they, they arrest the son, <laughs> or the grandson. And then they play fucking badminton or whatever with her. Birdie, yeah. Birdie, yeah. And they, they play with her and then she, uh, in the morning, the the mother shows up. So she was there. She shows up and the grandma is not there. And then... And then the poetry class, uh, the main, the instructor shows up and he's like, oh, flowers. The... The woman, uh, Grandma, I can't remember her name. She's Grandma. Grandma showed up and left. A, she left the poem there. Yeah. And, um, but she left, and then and he reads it to the class, and it's a suicide note. It's yes. Yeah, and uh, 
There's a it's scene. It's pretty much a suicide note. It's, yeah. it's very. It's a good poem. Yeah, it's a good ass poem. It is. Uh, there's and, a scene earlier in the movie where she's like, kind of at this like bridge over a river, and she like drops her hat in there and looks, and it's good, obvious foreshadowing. But uh, the movie ends with. Showing the original girl's suicide, saying yeah. that they were pretty much, you know, they were like two spirits, like pretty intertwined, connected, similar. Yeah. So the movie ends with the grandson in prison, probably, hopefully, the other sons in prison as well. And hopefully. Grandma killing herself. Yep. And that, that fucking ending was brutal. <laughs> Especially because it's like kind, they like still keep it vague. Like they're like, did she kill herself? Yes. Even though it's obvious, but I think that's I think showing the original girl's death is probably more impactful. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was a big fan of this movie as well. There's some really really good shots in this movie, and I think it's just because like the Korean countryside is so beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, this this movie was my jam. Um, yeah. Didn't like it as much as, like, Oasis or Secret Sunshine, but I I liked it. Yeah. It was a solid first watch, too. Like, this might be one of the best first watches, I would say, because it kind of embodies a lot of his stuff. And it's... Mm. I might have some notes on this one as well. Hold on. Oh, when this came out, there was a a lot of talk about how this is... uh, The actress in this is a lot... Pretty similar to the actress in Mother... Just because they have, like, these late career, like, rebirths or, like, really good roles. And I think that, like, thematically, they're pretty similar as well. Have you seen Mother yet? No, I haven't. You should watch Mother. I need to. So what'd you give this one, Thomas? An eight. Me too! Wow! 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 Burning. Go ahead. Oh, man. Burning. Okay. You just finished this one, right? Yeah. Okay, so you got the thing. Let me get some water. Um, alright. So this is a Steve, movie... Steve, you win! Run! <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a movie about a guy who basically, he he's like, he lives on his dad's farm and his dad is going to jail for, like, assault. Yeah, he assaulted uh, some type of government worker. Yeah. Um, And while this is going on, he meets a childhood friend who used to, like, live right next door to him, essentially. Or, like, close to him. Who, like, he doesn't recognize because she apparently got plastic surgery. Yeah. Uh, But he kind of, like, starts rekindling this friendship with this old childhood friend that he had. Uh, she kind of, like, sets it up. Hey, me. Hey, me, yeah. Hey, me. Uh, she uh, gives him, like, a raffle for this, like, watch that's part of, like, this thing that she's being a cheerleader type for, spokesperson. I don't know what you would call whatever she was doing. Yeah, she's she's an advertising lady, pretty yeah. much. Uh, she, like, dances and hands people raffle tickets. But she pretty much makes it so he wins. Yeah, and he gets, like, this kind of, like, pink watch, and she's like, wow, it's a nice watch for a girl. You got a girlfriend? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, well, maybe you should find one to get that watch to. And he's like, don't you remember me? He's like, no. She's like, it's me! And she, he's like, oh! Yeah, he's so like, I got sexy, right? 
Yeah. She, like, actually says, I got sexy, right? So, uh, they go and they smoke some cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, they basically, like, kind of catch up and, you know, she, she kind of, like, reveals. He's like, oh, this is this is more like, uh, the hey me that I used to know growing up. Because uh, it seemed clear that she had kind of, like, a tomboyish attitude growing up or was not, like... And a lot of what she has now is like a facade. Yeah. Uh, so she basically sets it up. She's like, well, I want you to come to my apartment and uh, feed my cat while I go to Africa. He's like, what? So he goes to her apartment. <laughs> and he can't find the cat. He's like, where, where the fuck is this cat? And she's like, she's well, like, his name's Boyle. Yeah, his name's Boyle and he's super shy. Boyle. He's like, is this cat real? And she's like, do you really think I made up a cat to get you over to my apartment? And they sleep together. Um, and he catches feelings hard. Like it's, hard. It's unclear at this point what her feelings are, but she goes on a trip to Africa. And he shows up and starts, like, giving the cat food. He, he never sees the cat. Yeah, and he starts... He's, he's but always the, like, the food's gone and there's sometimes poop in the litter. So he's like, yeah. well, there is a cat. Yeah. Or some very scary person hiding in the yes. walls. Um, At one point, I thought that's what was going to happen. <laughs> what, what if there's a person here? Yeah. And it definitely, like, gives it an eerie tone. Yeah, to when they're... Sense. At one point, they're having sex. I think it's when they're having sex. He's, like, staring at the wall. Yeah, he's like, and it was, like, the way the... Like, the shot composition me was scary. Like, I thought someone was going to come out of the corner. Oh. Like... Like, yeah. a lot of the shots in this movie are unsettling to me, at least. I'm like, maybe it's because it holds on it just a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's, like, looking at the wall, and he's, like, looking out the window at this kind of, like, tower that is, like, right at the window. And every time he, like, goes to feed her cat, he ends up, like, jerking off to that... He's He, like, jerks off while, like, looking at the tower, like, out the window. And it's like, why... Like, first of all, don't jerk off in another person's apartment. But B, if you're going to do it, don't jerk off while looking out the fucking window. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he does. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, he's basically just taking care. Um, we see he, like, he's, like, conversing with this other woman who has like the same watch which I feel like this is an important plot point it kind of feeds into what happens later in the film yeah but uh so he gets a call from her and she's basically like yeah you know I I was held up at the airport for like three days because a bomb went off and uh, but I'll be here today yeah so pick me up would you and he's like yeah of course so he goes and he's like super eager, but uh, she brings back uh, Stephen Young, who obviously intimidates who him. Who plays Ben. Yes. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he he's obviously kind of feels like a bit of a third wheel because, um, you know, this guy shows up all of a sudden. And, you know, they went through this scary situation together, so he's obviously, like... And he's also, like, way more confident than uh, yeah. the main character. 
uh, way more, uh, Lee, I think is the main character, way more confident, way more, like, uh, well-dressed, well-groomed, rich as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and we also find out he's, he's very detached from his emotions. Because there's a scene where Amy is, uh, like, kind of describing a part where she thought she was going to die. And then she's crying because she's obviously, like, a bit hysterical reliving the moment. And then Ben's like, oh, man, so interesting scene. It's fascinating watching people cry. And they're like, what the fuck are you like, on I, about? I, I've never cried. Maybe when I was little, but not any time that I remember. Like, I don't think I've ever felt true sadness. I'm like, sir, you need to go to a therapist. Yeah. It's like, maybe seek seek some professional advice on this one. Get a diagnosis, maybe. Seriously. Um, but, yeah, so he he's basically like, yeah, no, I don't really, like, maybe, like, I think I feel sadness, but I don't cry, so I don't know if it's real sadness. It's like, oh, great. Mm, oh, good. Uh... Let's see what happens next. So he's trying to like uh, win her back pretty much. He's trying to like, he's like, what about me? Yeah. A lot of the time, but she's just seems so much more interested in Ben. Um, see, I, I was getting a lot of the vibes. Like she was just kind of using Ben to try and make him jealous. Yeah. That may have been it as well. Uh, especially with some, like, contextual lines we get later in the movie. Like, particularly the scene that makes me think that is, like, uh, it seems like, because she, she sits next to, you said the main character's name is Lee? I think it's Lee. Okay, well, I'm going to call him Lee for now. Because, um, like, when they get back at the diner and stuff, she sits next to Lee. And when they're, like, you know, separate. I guess Lee's his last name. Jong Su. Jong Su. Okay. So she sits next to Jong Su at that part that we were just talking about. And then as they're like leaving from there and they're like about to go their own separate ways, he's got his car and, you know, he's got his little like dinky truck. And uh, Ben offers a driver and she like looks over. At him, and it, it almost seems like she wants to ride with him, but he kind of like accepts for her. He's like, Yeah, 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 sure, and takes her stuff out of the car immediately. And she just uh, kind of like stares at him for a little bit before they go. And I feel like that was kind of like the deciding moment where it's like, Are you really doing this? Like, you're just gonna let this guy come along? And, okay, if this is what you want. Yeah. So, yeah. Didn't show enough spine, maybe. I don't know. But, so, yeah, he kind of just, like, gives her over. Um, and then they spend, like, the next couple days together. They, like, meet up at, like, lunch the next day or a couple days later. And, uh, basically, uh... Ben's like, oh, yeah, no, she really wanted to see you again. And then she's like, what are you talking about? He's the one who kind of, like, set all this up. And then he's like, ah, whatever. And then he, like, I think Ben takes a phone call in the scene. I don't quite remember. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. He, Wait, he, when he goes to the restroom? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. like, goes outside and does the whole, like, rock and the heart bit. Because he's like, you the palm reading scene. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've, yeah. Got, you've got a rock in your heart and it yeah. keeps you from, you know, fully enjoying things, telling boys you like that you like them, you know, that kind of thing. And then he, like, pulls the, you know, because he was outside. He had a rock. Yeah. And he pulled the rock and I was like, yeah. And then uh, Jong Su uses the bathroom? Probably. He does that a lot. And sees the thing. No, this is the, uh, the scene that we're at is in the restaurant. Oh, you're yeah. right. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little later. You're right. Um, so, but they pretty much go to his house from here, I'm pretty sure. If I remember. And then he goes. <laughs> and then he goes to the bathroom he and he like finds, he like he, opens up the bathroom. He's kind of just looking around and he's like, and there's, he finds, there's a lockbox and he looks in and there's like just stuff and he opens a drawer. And a bunch of like lady trinkets. Yeah, and they all have like different names or stuff. And he's like, oh. So he's like, oh, this is kind of weird and closes it and then goes about... And then, uh, um, at one point they, they had a big party. Yeah. Um, and she talks, they, they talk about this multiple times, but they talk about little hunger and big hunger. Yeah. Um, little hunger being people that just want, people want to survive or people want to, um, just like be happy. Yeah. Get by day to day. And then big hunger hunger is is like the having meaning like finding a great meaning kind of yeah um and which is pretty important because of those two main characters her and jong su represent those two pretty clearly yeah Uh, what's so scary about ben is that he represents seemingly nothing (laughs) like what what does he want (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot about ben that's just a mystery and that's why he's intimidating (laughs) yeah um so so eventually they go to um, his place, uh, Jong Su's place. Yeah. And they get high. Yeah, they smoke marijuana. Which I don't think was marijuana. <laughs> because, like, he uh, was high the next day still. That and that can technically I, Yeah, happen. but not from, like, what he had. Like, yeah, it, it and she like immediately it gets naked and starts dancing around. Yeah, it definitely seems like it was laced with yeah. something. But, um, um, but they talk, and he immediately expresses, like, he tells Ben that he's in love with her. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I don't think she smokes pot. She says she does, because he's like, you guys want to smoke marijuana. And then immediately she's like, I giggle whenever I smoke that stuff. And my first thought is, she doesn't smoke pot. What a fucking lie. Well, like on the regular? Yeah. Well, that just sounds like, oh yeah, pot makes people giggle. Like It it just sounds like a lie somebody would say if they were like trying to... Yeah, she just tries to be cool. So maybe she got a little too high. I mean, I I, I think it was more likely that it was laced with something a little stronger than he insinuated. Especially especially because what the chaotic does... Yeah, the kind of chaotic <laughs> neutral of his character. Um, but then Ben goes on about how he, he likes to green burn greenhouses. Green and as soon as he starts this, I'm like, Ben is not talking about greenhouses. But of course, ben the is, main character like, he needs literal greenhouses. Yeah. I mean, he's also very high. So I get, he's like, well, that's kind of thing to do but okay. yeah he's, he's like, like every he's like i've been you know i've i came here to scout out places to burn he's like 
you're going to burn a greenhouse around here? And he talks about, he's like, greenhouses are ugly. Or <laughs> he's like, I choose which ones are useless. And I'm like, ah, he's talking about women. Yep. And I'm like, ah. Um, yeah, so basically that happens. Uh, Mise, what's her name? Hamey. Hamey, that's what, that's what it was. So Hamey, like, or, fell asleep. I think it is. Mihei. 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 That's Okay. Right. Sorry for the abundance of names that we have There's a lot of given names. This <laughs> Watch time. six movies. Um, so Mihei is like, has, is like narcoleptic or something and can fall asleep anywhere. So she falls asleep during like random points. And she's inside yeah. sleeping at this point. And, uh. Talks about greenhouses. Yeah, talks about greenhouses. And he's like, I love her. And he starts, like, laughing. Because <laughs> he completely misses the point of what that what he was just saying. is like, oh, okay. And then she comes out, and then they, basically... They leave, pretty much. They leave after he leaves on the sourest note he possibly could have, because he basically calls her a whore. He's like, took your shirt off in front of just anyone, you fucking whore. Yep. And it's, then... It's like, oh, yep, great. Fantastic. And then she disappears. Yep. And Ben disappears from the movie for a little while. We don't see him. Yeah. For a bit. Um, but Mr. Jong Su, he's looking around. He goes to her house. She's calls not answering the door. She He calls her. Eventually. Goes to the mimic school that she went to. By the way, she's a mimic. We skipped that part. Yeah. She eats uh, fake oranges. Yeah. She eats... You mean a mime? Mime mimic, like isn't that? I mean, a mimic is uh, the 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 monster from Dungeons and Dragons. I thought I thought mimic was like a way of saying like copying or basically pantomime. I mean, that's true. I don't I don't know if I've never heard. Yeah, that's because probably that's probably you, another you, accurate term. That's probably another accurate term. Like that's me mimicking you. Like, <laughs> Thanks. That would be mocking, but <laughs> oh, whatever case fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> all right um so yeah he he pretty much searches everywhere and eventually he's like pounding on her door and uh, the like the landlady, landlady comes up yeah, and he's like i need to make sure she's okay and he she opens the door and the room's like spotless and the cat litter's gone. Yeah, because that was the, the whole reason. He's like, I used to like, yeah. feed and, and water. she's like, oh, yeah. she probably went on a trip. And he's like, but what about the cat? She's like, we don't allow cats here. He's like, yeah, but there was a cat here. Yeah. So he's like looking around and... Um, cat stuff is gone. And then he's like, it's gotta be. It, he Like, Ben must have done something. So he starts, he starts following Ben in a fucking giant-ass truck. Yep. So Ben can like eventually figures out that he's following him. Yeah. But he like falls in places and kind of confronts him. He sees Ben has like a new girlfriend. Yeah. Who's who looks kind of... shockingly similar. Yeah. <laughs> like they have the same hair length. They even have the same attitude. Like they're it's obvious that both of them are poor. Yeah. And uh he talks about at one point he even is like, it's so sad about uh Mihe or right? Mihe? Something like that. Hey, because me, me hey hey me dip a, do? Beep, boop. I think it's me hey yeah uh, because she had no friends or family 
no yeah. one to miss her. And I'm like, ah! Yeah, basically, he's like, yeah, you were the only person that she really uh, cared about. And then, of course, then we find out, it's like, oh, yeah, you left. And the last time you saw her, you called her a whore. Great. Yeah. Um, but eventually he is like he keeps like staying at Ben's like house like he apartment he parks at the same fucking spot but eventually Ben like invites him in he's like what are you doing here and yeah. he's like oh I was just uh, visiting you he's like you could have just called me yeah. and he does another little confrontation and he sees that Ben has a cat yeah and he's like when did you get a cat and he's like he oh. been there before <laughs> he's yeah. like oh he got astray recently and there is a point in which I'm like, all right, maybe it's not the cat because um, the cat is extremely shy and hadn't revealed itself at any point when it was in uh, this, this Mihei's apartment. But it's like out and about at his place, which is arguably bigger and you'd think there'd be more places for it to hide. But um, it, it basically like runs out as soon as it gets the chance because uh, one of his, because he's having like a casual get together with his friends um, ben is, and or he's, uh, he's going to be, yeah. And, then, and the first guest arrives, aside from, uh, or I think it's his girlfriend that arrives, and yeah. she lets him out. And he's like, "Oh no!" And while this is happening, Zhang Su is in the bathroom, and he checks it, and he and, finds the watch. Yeah, so he knows. Uh oh, <laughs> he like at this point he's pretty much confirmed it. Um, so then they, well, and he'll be about to confirm it even more in just a second. So he goes downstairs. To help get the cat because it's downstairs and he sees the cat and he is like, Boyle, Boyle, come here. And the cat responds to the name and that's when you're like, ah! Yeah. So basically, uh, he like stays up for a little while, kind of observes this girl at this party. Uh, and it's a very, very kind of similar reaction from Ben because he, 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 like, yawned and seemed disinterested when uh, Mihei was telling, like, her little story. Yeah. And it's very much the same thing. It seems like the friends are kind of feeding a different energy. It feels like they're making fun of her. <laughs> like, yeah. all the friends seem like... Uh, they did that with Mihei, yeah. too. But it, it feels like a different type of tease. I don't know yeah. quite how to describe it. But, uh, but, yeah. So then he basically leaves and then Ben confronts him as he's leaving. He's like, hey, didn't you want to talk about me, hey? He's like, oh, it's fine. I need to anymore. But, um, and then a couple days pass, I think, and then it shows they're just uh, in the middle of a field, pretty much, or like right next to a field on a secluded road. Um, Mr. Jong-Soo called Ben. and Ben's like, hey, I heard you found me, hey. So, obviously, he thought that Jong-Soo had, like, evidence on him or some shit. And Jong-Soo's like, uh, no. And then goes over and stabs him. Yeah. And he's, like, brutally stabbing him. And Ben's, like, trying to get away. And then he dies. Yeah, after a nice uh, little little hug. Yeah, where they, like, stare into each other's eyes for a moment. Yeah. And then uh, Jong-Soo throws Ben back into his car. Uh, Ben's car and hey. lights him on fire the same way he lit the he said he lit greenhouses on fire um, and throws off all his clothes and is completely naked because there was blood covering it so he just gets completely naked he's still covered in blood but yeah you know, at but least at least he can wash it off <laughs> like um, at one point right, right as he had stabbed him a car a car came coming I'm like oh no but he's just like standing there he's like nothing's wrong yeah and then he drives home like <gasps> 
Yep. And uh, he starts writing. Yep. Because he'd been trying to write this whole time as well. He was a writer. <laughs> that was yeah. a big thing. But he just like couldn't write. And uh, yeah, and the movie ends. Also sad. This yeah. is the this I, and Greenfish were the ones that I didn't think were as sad as others. Yeah, so, um, just because this one, I I felt because it had kind of a more menacing, unsettling tone. The like deep depression didn't hit me as hard. I agree. I really loved this movie though. Yeah, I, no, I I enjoyed it quite a lot. This one specifically had a lot of interviews, obviously, because it's so new. But yeah. um, fucking, ah, uh, he says like. He, he talks a lot about how he made this movie about millennials because he's like millennials see they're like because he's like I love millennials because he's like millennials are the first generation where they've had it they have it worse than the previous generation yeah um, he specifically talks about how uh, the classes are growing apart so much more like rich people are getting richer and poor people are getting poorer so even though, like, Ben represents the rich. Because even if you're not killing someone, even being rich is hurting the poor. Yeah. Um, which is why I think, like, those comments about Long Joon-ho are so strange. Because, like, Parasite... This and Parasite are very similar movies, like, thematically, I think. Yeah. Except, you know, instead of the, the Park family or whatever being murderers, they're, they're just murdering through being rich. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I really like this movie. There's just some really good shots in this movie, which makes sense. It's the same cinematographer as Parasite. Oh. And Snowpiercer. Okay. And it's a bunch of other things. He's a, he's a really good uh, cinematographer. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, oh Mother. And the, the Wailing, which is... Oh, I fucking love The Wailing. Mm. Um... Yeah, and he's talking about millennials, and he also talks about himself, how he's just really angry all the time. Like, he's just like, I'm fucking pissed all the time. So he's like, I'm gonna make this movie. Because this movie does have a very angry energy to it. Oh, But, yeah. Aptly no. titled. Like, like I said, I really like um, how Ben is, like, you never know what Ben, like, he, you don't know what he does for a living. You don't really know his motivations. Like, I think he's so much more menacing as an antagonist because you don't know anything about him really. Yeah. Just that he's rich and he likes to burn women a lot. Yes. Uh, I also think that even like hey, uh it is Hamey, by the way. Oh, okay. I think that uh there's some really interesting storytelling elements between Hamey and Ben because they're seen only through the scope of scenes with Jong-Soo. So there's so much mystery surrounded by both of them and you're only seeing them through his life. Like, would Ben be as nearly as scary if we saw it through his like light? Like, is his scenes where he's saying he doesn't cry complete lies and he, like, cries every night? Like, yeah. you know. And I think that's there's some really powerful storytelling by keeping so much of it a mystery and only knowing pretty much what the main character knows. Yeah. Obviously, we yeah. infer more, but we're not in that moment. To a certain extent, a bit of an unreliable narrator. Yeah, which I thought was a good 
Yeah. Good, good. It's good, uh, good technique there. And yeah. I know I didn't talk about it a lot, but I really love the music in all these movies. Yeah. Um, like, all of them. I thought the music was really, really great and pretty, like, wraps pretty heavily into the, the, the movie itself. Like, thematically. Yeah. Um, I didn't say anything about it thus far, with the exception of Greenfish. I thought, like, the sound design uh, was excellent on all these movies. Particularly Oasis. That was the one that I noticed it the most, yeah. where I was like, oh, wow, this... A lot of ambient background noise. Yeah, literally the only great. sound design issue I had was in Greenfish with that with the gunshot. Yeah. Because I'm like, that. I don't know what that was supposed to be. But yeah, everything else, the sound design was great. And the cinematography was pretty great in all of them. And even like the... And it's it's never overstated either. Because I, I feel like it. some of the naturalistic tone, I think, would be not ruined, but uh, less so if it was... Uh, more overstated in the cinematography. Yeah. Like, it was like, look at this cool shot. Mm -hmm. It still had cool shots, but it was never like, in your fucking face. Yeah, never to the point where it was like, distracting and being like, whoa, take you out of the movie. I thought that, um, I I grouped these movies and kind of, I, I put them in two separate groups, for me at least. Because I felt personally that Secret Sunshine, Burning, and Oasis were the most similar to each other. Because they were all about, like, guilt over something. And, like, extreme obsession with that person, I guess. Like, Secret Sunshine, she feels guilty about her husband. Yeah. And then guilty about her son and becomes obsessed with his death. Um, Oasis, he feels guilty about her situation He's obsessed with her. You know? Yeah. He feels guilty about everything. And then burning, same thing. He becomes yeah. obsessed with, you know, they're all very similar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, poetry, peppermint candy, and greenfish all are like films that are about people like kind of being swept into the story of another person, I would say. Or it like, or at least they're swept into the life of another person. Like greenfish, he becomes intrinsically connected with. Yeah. The fucking mafia because of this, like, woman. Like, because he did one thing, it leads to him, like, uh uh-oh, dying because he gets, like, joins the Korean mafia. Mm -hmm. Um, fucking... And then poetry, it's obviously, like, her and her grandson's conflict and... Yeah, and she gets, like, wrapped up in her grandson's ordeal. Yeah. And she, like, did nothing to deserve that. Peppermint Candy, like... that's a little more of a stretch, but, like, literally everything is tied to him being, first of all, like, drafted in the military and then, like, forced to, you know, fight students in the riots and then yeah. killing somebody by accident. But, yeah, all of them, that's that's how I felt. I don't know. Mm. What, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I generally agree with you for the most part. It feels like they definitely could be grouped together like that. Um... Yeah. I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> okay, what'd you give this movie? Uh, I'd probably give this one... Probably like an 8, maybe a 9 on a future watch, but I'm feeling an 8 right now. I gave this one a 9. So, 8.5. Yeah. Alright. So, this is my guess for you. Hold on. 
find my list. Yeah. You keep looking for it and keep finding it and then keep losing it again. <laughs> I know. It's... Why do you do it? Why don't you just put it on the table? I have ADHD ah. and I like to fiddle with stuff. Okay, so this is all wrong. Um, like, this is all wrong. Okay. Um, I put, here's top to bottom. Burning, Secret Sunshine, Oasis, Peppermint Candy, Poetry, Greenfish. Uh, you got my number three, right? Okay, go ahead. What, what, what's your list? Okay. So, starting with number six, Poetry. That was your least favorite? Yeah. Okay. Peppermint Candy. Okay. Burning. Okay. Oasis. Okay. Fish. Secret Sunshine. Okay, yeah. That was... Okay. Gotcha. Okay, what about mine? <laughs> okay. So, for you, do uh, you want me to start with six or one? Go sit, uh, bottom and top. Okay. So, I had Green Fish at your bottom. I had Peppermint Candy at five. I had Oasis at four. Secret Sunshine at three. Poetry at two. Burning at one. Well, you got the five and six right. Okay. But then it's so, uh, green fish, peppermint candy, poetry, burning, oasis, secret sunshine. Okay. So secret sunshine was your top as well, right? Yeah. Woo! Another, another, another director down. Yeah, dive. Uh, I guess technically, I think this might be my most highly rated director out of the ones we've done because this is the first one I've given two tens to. <sighs> I think Bergman's yours still because that has a nine average for you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, next director deep dive will have a bunch of info on our other ones, so. Okay. Okay, what are we watching next week for you? Mm. You got old movie, right? Huh? You got old movie next week? Yeah. Okay. King Kong. The 30s? 33. Okay. Very cool. Um, very cool. And I am gonna I'm gonna do a rewatch for both of us. Okay. One that I think I think we need to to help us out. One you talked about earlier on the podcast. I did? Yep. What is it? Briggs Me Bear. Oh hey. That it's a nice good. movie that's pretty happy, pretty jovial. I think I think it'll be a good reset for us. Yeah. Um, let me just before we end the podcast, let me just check where you can watch these. Yeah, we've been on a Kong. stretch of depressing, er, depressing yeah. Asian movies. Who's driving the straight from John Woo's The Killer straight to this one? <laughs> Who's driving? The... Um, King Kong. You know, you can probably just find it on YouTube. I'm guessing, but um, it's available yeah. other places as well. Yeah. And then fucking Brigsby Bear is. Um, it's on something. I watched it somewhere. I think. I also have it on DVD. So. I watched it on Yeah, it's like, it's available to buy and rent places. So just go rent it. Brings me very great. Anyway, <coughs> thanks for watching our fucking almost four hour long podcast. Oh, is this our longest one? I think so. It's three hours and 40 minutes. So it's either the longest or like five minutes from the longest. Okay. Anyway, go watch Lee Cheng Dong if you want to be really fucking sad. Yeah. So bye bye. Adios.